Sache. Another year, we're sitting here at Tishabav. Still talking about Khurban. 1955 years, as we said last night, from Khurban Beit Samikdash. To put things, to begin a perspective for the next few hours, the Shlach Kaddish writes in Parshas Balak, Da, you should know, Ken Ra Yerid Milmala, Luma Yisraelis. Ra, evil doesn't come from the Rabbi Shalom to Kla Yisrael. Kibonim Haim Lashem, because Kla Yisrael are the children of the Rabbi Shalom. And even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu is angry with us, Bechorbanis Hamikdosh Vechorban Yisrael, Vigalusa Menomais. And even though the Rabbi Shalom is angry, and he destroyed the Batei Mikdash, Khurban of Kla Yisrael, Galus, throughout the world, Hakal Hulu Taivasam. We have to know that it's not Ra, it's Taiva. Kasha Yasarishas Benoy Hashem Yasreinu. As we learn, just like, HaKadosh, just like a father is punishing to educate his son, he's not punishing him to take Nakama just to be evil. He wants to educate him. Now, Kaddish Baruch Hu is the same way. It's all for our Taiva. Everything, everything that we've been going through is all a preparation. Is a preparation and it's a chinuch for the Or Habar Lasid, for that day that's going to come where it's going to be a clear light from the Rabbi Nishalaylam. The Yisurim bring a person in Kla Yisrael to Tshuva. And he says, that's the pshat we say every day. I'll exalt you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, ki tilisani. perushim, the word tilisani, has two perushim to it. Loshen dalus, veloshen hisraimimus. Has a loshen of dal of being poor. But it's also a language that's used for uplifting. Ki tilisani, you have drawn me out, you have uplifted me. Why is it that it has a dual meaning, this word? Because the dalus, the meaning of poor, of being low down, those are what brings to the second understanding of the word of Yisraimimus. I've, I've been low, and the same word means you've lifted me up. And when a person, and when Klai Yisrael goes through such a situation, he says, it causes that when we come up and we're lifted up, it's not back to the same place we were before. It's to a much greater or a much greater light, a much greater madrega. And this extra light is going to come from the dark, darkness like we learned last night. Hashem put me into the darkness. Why? In order that when we emerge from the darkness, that Ur is going to be an Ur Gadol, much greater than it was before. Just like we find, Chazal tell us, that Dam is Mishapech L'chalav. 
blood is what turns into the milk. You have something that seems to be low down, something that's tameh, and it turns into something that's chashuv, that's a lifeline. The klala itself turns into bracha. And therefore he says, The, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash is actually the binyan of the Beis Hamikdash. Because with Churban Beis Hamikdash, it was a kapara for Kla Yisrael, and it's the medium and the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings us to the binyan Beis Hamikdash Hagadol to the Beis HaMikdash, that it's going to be Nitzchi. And he says, therefore, Al-Kain, Noyagin kavod b'chorbanoi, k'moishu noyagin b'yishuvoi. He says an unbelievable thing. He says, this is the reason why you have to be noyag kavod in the Makam HaMikdash, and any Makam Shebekadusha. A person has to be noyag kavod, even when it's b'chorbanoi, even when it's destroyed. Bishlama, you have a base Hamigdash. There's halachas of where you're allowed to go, what you're allowed to do. Why? Because there's kedusha there. The base Hamigdash is there. But once the base Hamigdash is destroyed, why is it that we still have to be noyig kavod in the place of the churban, like we were noyig be yeshuvai? Says the shlok, Yachurban sibas hayishuv hamiti. Because this churban is not an end. This Khurban is a pathway to the building of the next Yishuv, of the next base Hamikdash. And the next base Hamikdash with its Kedusha is going to have those halachas as well. So the fact that at this moment the base Hamikdash doesn't exist, it's not that we're taking a break from base Hamikdash and Mamela, why should I be Noyakava? But this is part of the Binyan. The fact that this Khurban is part of the Binyan and therefore says the Shlakadish. Therefore, that is why a person has to be noyik covered in the Makam Amigdash Afilu Bechorbanoi. Like Chazal say, Asoyser Almanas Livnois. We know a person who's Soyser, you're destroying the Rabbinish, the, the person, El Cheshabis, destroys, but it's not a destruction for an end unto itself. It's a destruction, Almanas Livnois. Mekalkal on Shabbos is, is Mutter, Midairaisa. Mekalkal is not, you have to create something. So how come when I destroy Amsoyser, am I chayah for creating? Because if it's Almanas Livnois, it's a creation. You're creating something with your destruction. That Tzayser Almanas Livnois, that's what Churban is. And that is why Tzaymar Aviv, Tzaymar Chamishi, Yil Yehuda, L'sosin, L'simcha, the Nabi Zechariah, after Klai Yisrael asked, what, should we, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with the fast days that we fasted in Babel? It's now Binyan by Yishaini. And the Rabbi Nisham said, those days are going to be for a Sasan and a Simcha. Why? Because those days are the days that brought. Those days are the Churban days that were brought the Binyan. And that is why Tisha B'Av is called a Mayed. Koralai Mayed, al Osid Shiyachag. Because in the future... It's going to be a yantif. It's going to be the yantif of Tzayma Hamishi. But you'll say, so what does that have to do with today? Why is it today? Today it's not a mayid. Today, why didn't we say Tachanon? It's not a mayid. Rabbi Yankov Emden holds, we don't pass necessarily like this, that Avil doesn't daven on Tishabov. Karolai mayid. It's a mayid. Avil doesn't daven yantif. He doesn't daven, doesn't daven Tishabov. Chayra, the same question. Today it's not a mayid. 
The Teretz is, it is a Mayad today. This is all part of the Mayad. This is Saisra Amanas Livnois. This Churban is Churban, it's really for Binyan. And that is why Tishabov, the day of the week, always falls out the same day as the first day of Pesach. Because when Kalah Yisrael went out of Mitzrayim, it was also the beginnings of a Gula Asida. It wasn't, as we know, the final Gula. We went out early, and because of that we still have to pay for Gullus. And Mamela, that's the first step in the next Gula. Tishabov is the same thing. It's also a step in the Gula. It's also a step in the Binyan, and that's why they're both on the same day. And he says, with this we can understand the Pasuk. The Pasuk tells us, Hashem Aleichem just like Hashem uh, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is happy, Kein Yosis, we say in the Teichacha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be happy bringing Tzaras to Kla Yisrael. And the Gemara asks him, Masechta Megillah, Daf Yod Amin Beis, what do you mean HaKadosh Baruch Hu is happy to bring the Teichacha, to bring Tzaras to Kla Yisrael? How could you say that? So the Gemara says, of course not, Ein Sas. Hashem is not happy himself. Avomesis Achrina, he makes other people happy. Dekonami, says the Gemara, Yemedaikit from the Pasuk, Tichsiv Yosis, Beloiksiv Yosus. Yosus would mean he himself is happy. Yosis would mean that he makes other people happy. Practice law, what do you mean? The word Yosis also means that Hashem, that a person is happy. Yosis has a double meaning. Yosis many times means Yosis alayich alaykayichim sois chasan alkala kein Yosis we find sois osis b'Hashem we say the the Navi says Yosis also means that the person is happy so why is the Gemara telling us it doesn't say Yosus it says Yosis so Zakdeshla the same word that he's been saying Yosis has a dual meaning similar to the meaning of Dalus. Yosis could mean the person is happy, and Yosis could mean to make other people happy. Yosus only means the person, not someone else. The Rebbeinu Shalom and the Teichicha use specifically the word Yosis with a double meaning. To mean to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to make other people happy, meaning the Goyim who are going to bring the Churban. They are the ones going to be happy. But you should know that's a derech, that's all the way that I'm going to eventually bring the Geula and I'm going to be happy. So the Yosis of Yosis Tacherim, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings the Tzaris, that's going to bring to the Yosis that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be happy with our, with our Geula. From the Bracha, from the Klala itself, the Bracha is going to come. And that is the Hashkafa that a person is supposed to have when we sit down and begin to talk about Churban, begin to talk about Tzaras, to realize that everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is L'tayva. There was once a lady, Nebuch lost a daughter, and when someone tried to be Menachem her, and they were being Menachem her, she was very stark and she would say, What's there to say? But the Eibishter taught is good. What the Rabbi Nisham does is good, and that's how it has to be. There's no other way. A person in a Tshasara should be able to say everything the Rabbi does is good and this is the way it's supposed to be. 
As the Chavetz Chaim would say, if people would say things could be better, he said if they would be better, they'd already be better. They're exactly the way they're supposed to be. Abel Yedesler and Michtam Elion, Chayla Gimel, when he starts talking about Churban Europe, he says, The ways of Ashkochas Hashem are removed from us, from trying to, from understanding. But we have to know everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is Yosher. And that's the Akdama. He says, but on the other hand, we still have to look into it and learn it. What are we supposed to learn from it? Just to say, with the Amun Shlema, Avada, we're supposed to say that. Tafap learning from what the Tzoros are. What is this Hashkocha? At least what we could try and perceive. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from us? What does He want to teach us? There's no way for us truly to understand it. As we say in the Zemiras, Friday night, once had someone come to him with a tzara, and after they left, he went to the bookcase and he took out his miras, and he was up to saying something over and over again. And whoever was there, his anical, whoever it was, was wondering, like, what's going on here? And they went over and they saw that he was reading over and over again from Kariboin. Even if a person will live a thousand years, person cannot understand the Chashbainas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was faced with an eighth, someone who had a tzara. He mechazik them as much as he could, mevarech them. But he went to be mechazik as Amunah, Rav Shach. Lo there's no way for understa- un- to us to understand it. Darchi Ashka, Chosri Shal Hashem, Niskovim, Yishorim Darchi Hashem. Everything the Rabbani Shalom does is good. And as Azoi Dav Zayin, that's how it has to be. And that's the Hakdama to what we will be talking about. Trying, on one hand, to see the Taiva, to recognize Darchi Hashem, Baruch Hu, and to see what we're supposed to learn from it. The first Kina that we say in the morning, Kina Vav. Kina Vav, as we know, a lot of the Kinas go with the Aleph Bays, different ways of the Aleph Bays. And... This kina also goes with the Aleph Beis. It was written by Rebelezer HaKalir. Many of the kinas of Ashkenaz were written by him. The ones at least for Churban Beis HaMikdash. And the question is that this kina starts with the letter Samach. Go Samach, Ayin, Pei. You can follow it in the first line. Sadi, Kof, Reish, Shin, Tav. And then it goes, then there's an Aleph at the end, but that's really the end. The question is why it starts with the Samach. So that Mesoteret is, because really this Kina is a continuation of Kinois, that the Minig was, they used to say it during Chazar Sashats by each Bracha, similar to what it says in Mesech the Tainis, on the Tainis, you say by, by each Bracha. And, and the last one they got to by Nun was by Belushalayim Ircha, and that was the end. And this is the continuation of those kinais. So afternoon comes Samach. So this is the, really the continuation of it. This seems to be a shayla. If it was Dafka put here after davening, and some of the I think, old kinas from maybe from the Italian kinas, which are Ashkenazish kinas, um, could be a continued there for a long time till they actually said the bracha of Lirishalayim. 
But either way, that's the Pasha de Pshat and why it starts with the Samach. But as we say every year, the Mepharshim say, because we want to start off with Samach, Samach Hashem L'chol HaNoiflim. We want to start off, we're going to sit down and talk, and we're going to go through Kinois and Churban. The first thing we start is, the Rabbi Nisham hasn't forsaken us, Samach Hashem L'chol HaNoiflim. We start with the Samach, with a Nechama immediately, to give us that perspective that whatever the Rabbi Nisham does is L'tayva. And on Shabbos we said over a Meredikah Chassam Seifer, and just to say the Rashi Prakim, because that's what this Kina, this Samach represents, Chassam Seifer in the Drashas and in Teres Moshe, talks about, the Medrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu, just like a king who's on his deathbed and he's giving out his last will and testament, we don't know if he's actually of sound mind or not, so we ask him questions. Similar to the Gemara and Gitin, really by a get, by a shaita, you ask him questions if he answers properly. Yes, no, yes, no. And then uh, we, we see that he's of sound mind. So Moshe Rabbeinu says the Medrash, we weren't sure if he knew what he was saying. So we asked him, where are you? When is it? It's in the 11th month. What happened recently? Oh, Moshe Rabbeinu answered all the questions properly. What are we talking about here? So he says, the famous Gemara that tells us, Yermiyo said that the city of Yishalayim will be breached on the 9th of Tammuz. Question for Ekta Gemara, we know is the 17th of Tammuz. So the Babli answers, there's a difference. The first base Amigdash was on the 9th, and the second base Amigdash was on the 17th. But the Yishalmi says that they were both on the 17th, but there was so a tumult because of the Churban, because of what was going on, that they messed up the calculation of the dates. For what are we talking about here? Yermiyo saying in Avua, What's going to happen? It didn't happen yet. He's saying, we're going to happen. Well, what are we talking about that he, they, he messed up the dates? So Samsayfer says, a Chiddush Gadol, that yes, in his Nevuah, he was so scared, with the whole Ruach HaKadosh, Simcha, with everything, he was so scared of what he was seeing, that Pashid, he got so movable, and he thought he was seeing the 9th of Tammuz and not the 17th of Tammuz. And when he, so to speak, finished his Nevuah, he chapped, he made a mistake. And the Rabbani Shalom told him, no, you're going to write down the ninth of Tammuz, even though you made a mistake. So people should realize that even you were so to tumult that you messed up the date. That's how serious it's going to be. Maybe Klai Yisrael will do tshuva. So Zakt, the Chassam Soifer, Moshe Rabbeinu was being shown here, the Major says, Klai Yisrael b'churbanai. Seeing not just Chorba Meis Hamikdash, all Chorba Neis Adayim Mazeh, he saw today Tishabav Tov Shimpei Gimel. He saw all the Tzaras that we have. How's it Shaykh? Maybe he also got to, to, to tumult and didn't know what he was saying in his Nevuah. So Zakta Medrash, we tested him. He knows where he is, he knows what time it is, he knows the date, he knows the current events, he knows what's going on. What's the Pshat? Yirmiya saw one Khurban and Moshe Rabbeinu saw all Khurbanas. How is it possible Moshe Rabbeinu still stayed with his sound ass? Because the Medrash says he didn't just see the Khurban, he saw the Geula as well. And you, when you see the Khurban leading up to the Geula, and he saw how everything was a step towards the Geula, it was Meredikitzaris. But he was able to see the Taiva Shabbai, because he saw that Nechama and that Geula at the end. The Arava, the Bidbar, Kigan Hashem, he saw everything, the, the, the Geula that's going to come, and that was the difference in Moshe and Yirmiya, who only saw Khurban. And that's why we start off and we say, Suru Mani, we start off with the Samecha, Samech Hashem, because we're going to talk about terrible Tzaras and Khurban and Galus, 
How are we supposed to deal with that is Yidin? And the Teretz is because we realize it's the Rabbeinu Shalaylam. We talk about Nechama, we talk about Geula. This is not, we're not out like Yermiyo thought, like Yermiyo saw in his Nevuah. And Memela, with that we're able to start and we're able to say Yisharim Darche Hashem. As the Shlo says, no Ra comes from the Rabbeinu Shalaylam. Everything is a step towards the Gula. Shabbat Suramanim. Go now to Kina Tess. Kina Tess is the Kina of the Teichacha where we contrast what could have been what Kaddish Baruch Hu said Venosati Gishmecha Mitam Visig Lacham Daishas Botzir Nosati Shalom Baretz and so on and so forth. We contrast what actually happened 
and the tzaras that we had because we did not keep the Torah, because we were Mayas Hashem, because we were Vimlois Yishmo, because in Bechukaisai Timasu, therefore Afaniyas Azois, every stanza ends off, the beginnings and end Chaylef, instead of the Brachas, and the end talks about, and the end stanzas at the end talk about the actual Tzaras of the Teichacha. And that's what the Shlach was telling us. Things don't just happen. The Rabbi says, if you would have listened to me, if you would have followed my Torah, things would have been great. Things would have been unbelievable. You would have remained where you were. But the Rabbi amongst, amongst us. But unfortunately, he didn't keep the Torah. And we had the Teichacha come to us in full force. And when we talk about Khurban through our perspective, our perspective of Khurban is always through the last Khurban. Later on in the Kinas, we go back in history. But our Khurban, that many of us remember survivors of, family members, we see it through the prism of the, of the Khurban of Europe. And we've talked about in the past about the down, how Klai Yisrael in Europe throughout the years, the Ruchnias was getting lower and lower and lower. But there's one period, the Maccabipatish, so to speak, that I don't think, or at least I wasn't necessarily oymed on it. And I saw this year, Rabbi Yankiv Zechrein Levracha would say, and his Lashen was, that people think that before World War I, Kla Yisrael, Polish Jewry, was very strong. We've said this from Victor Miller, his book about this. And he says, of course it wasn't true, there was a terrible Yerida, the late 1800s, the Enlightenment, we all know the Chassam Seifer, and all those who were fighting against it, Doroch Laner, Mager. In our G'daylim Shishurim, we, we highlighted all the time those different G'daylim. We went through that Kufa Barichos. And, but the, what was the Makkah Patish? And this is what Rabbi Biankov said. The Makkah Patish was World War I. Because in World War I, Jews were drafted, and the men had usually had two choices, either to run away or to be drafted. And either way, whether they left or they were drafted, they weren't home. And for five full years, from 1914 to 1919, there was almost no household who had a father at home. That was the end of the Chadarim, the end of Jewish education, he said. The women didn't have money, there was no Besyankiv. No one was trained to teach children. As we know what happened with the yeshivas, the yeshivas, wandered all, the yeshivas from before the World War I wandered all over. Some didn't even recover afterwards. It was chaos. It wasn't chaos for a year. This was for five full years. Five full years. And he said, Dr. Biankiv, that World War I and its aftermath undermined the whole structure of Polish and Russian Jewry. So not only was it the Germans, with the Meshachachma and Berlin, Yerushalayim, and their, their Haskola from over there, and you'll say, you thought Poland, Russia, was more Heimish, so to speak. They weren't, didn't have it. They also had Haskola, but not the same as Germany. But he says something else affected them, and that was this, World War I. It separated families. 
And when these families, the ones that came back, not everybody came back, many Yidin were killed. When they returned, if they returned, after five years, what money did anyone have? Little children, five years, didn't have a chinuch, didn't have a father, parents, there was nothing left. And that led to the decline in Yados, in Yiddishkeit, in the rest of Europe. Yes, there were those who recuperated, but it was a miot, as big as the Chesidimur all over, throughout Poland and all over the place, yeshivas, it was a miot of Klal Yisrael. We've said many times, Rebbe Yisrael Nechemia in the Drosha, in Shabbos HaGadol, where he was speaking in World War I, and he said that Haman talked about a nation that's mefuzar u mefairad, Mefuzer being spread out. What does Mefuzer mean? What does it mean separated? He says, He said, This is not a family who has the whole family there. He says, The, fa- the, the Yontif of Pesach, which is a Yontif of Mishbacha, of Selavais, a father to teach his children a Munah, to Mashash and his children a Munah. Roiv Mishbacha Yisrael, most of the families in Klai Yisrael don't have that. Oiki Nifkud Mekayim HaBen HaShoyel, either because they don't have a son to ask, he's off drafted, or he doesn't have, or the children don't even know what to ask, and he doesn't have who to ask from. He says there's no father in the house. And the, and the women and the children, I'm sorry, are asking their mothers. But they're asking a different question. Why are you crying? Or they're asking, we don't have what to eat. And he says, even if you have a father and a son who are both in the army and they end up meeting each other, you think they have time to ask the Manashtana? In a moment, they have to jump out and go run and fight the war. This was the breakdown of the family. He says that there. And in a different shuva, in different drasha for Rosh Hashanah, when he talks about Akeda, he says... We've mentioned this as, as well. He says, Do we have to mention Akedas Yitzchak this year? Thousands of Akedas of Kla Yisrael in this year. This was during World War I. From thousands of pure Neshamas. He says, For this, this do we need to be Ma'ariz Chus We have the Akeda itself. And that is one of the great Khurbanas, the breakdown of the family of Taira that brought about the Khurban of Europe. Rav Schwab, Zakraina Levracha, was speaking on the 50th anniversary of Kristallnacht. And he says, Tezayin Cheshvan was the 50th anniversary of the so-called Kristallnacht. He says, no one really knows why we should call this night Kristallnacht. Crystal night, the night of the broken glass, as it's sort of translated, he says. He says, of course it's true that during that night hundreds of businesses were ransacked, the glass of the Jewish shops were, the windows were throughout the streets broken. But he says that's the most unimportant detail of the whole story compared to the hundreds of Bate Knesseis in Germany and Austria that were burned and bulldozed, hundreds of Sifrei Tyrants fill in, put to the torch, 
Scores of innocent people were killed, thousands arrested, humiliated, and sent away. By comparison, some broken glass in the street that's going to be swept up and cleaned away the next morning. Why is it that we call it crystal night? He said it's so inappropriate to call it crystal nacht. But he says, perhaps by doing that, we've unknowingly expressed a very profound truth. Because crystal resembles glittering glass. It's used for vases, chandeliers. It's something that glitters. When we say Kristallnacht, he says, we're really referring to a period in history which was crystal to us. It was a glassy material, but it appears and it glitters and it's pure, looks pure like precious jewels. But really it's just an illusion, it's glass. Crystal is vulnerable. And if you don't handle it properly, it'll shatter. You don't have that with precious stones. And this is where he says, German Jews were fascinated for over 150 years by a most magnificent crystal ball of German culture. And that German ball was shattered in November of 1938. The Germans had the, I'm sorry, the German Jews had considered the German people and their culture to be an Evan Teva, a fine crystalline-like stone. Most of them wanted to be a part of it and part of the fatherland. They were enthralled by the poetry, philosophy. These are all his words. I'm just reading his words. Of Schiller, Kant, Schopenhauer. Probably didn't say that properly. They were enamored by the Deutsch punctuality, music, order, etc. But it was just pure glitter, an illusion. But when the shoals were set aflame and innocent people were hauled away, and there was no active response from the disciples of all these big poets, Schiller and all these people, or by any of the European nations which described to the Western culture, this magnificent glass was smashed to smithereens. And Germany became again the Eretz Mafela. He quotes, this is a kino we quoted a few years ago, from Yehuda Barabenu Moshe Kayan, a kino we don't have, it's in the kinos of Ashkenaz, on the destruction of Frankfurt in 1241, his lotion is Bechrach Frankfurt, Eretz Mapelia, in the dark land. Says, says Rev Schwab, the, the, this glittering Germany went back to being once again the land of darkness that Rabbi Huda ben Ramosha Kayan referred to it 700 years earlier. Kristallnach was the night that all these false illusions burst. And that's what the Teichacha is. The Teichacha is Kla Yisrael being shook up because they didn't realize what was important. They didn't realize in And in fact, there's Pearl Banish in her, in her book, To Vanquish the Dragon. She talks about her, her in the Holocaust, that at one point she came, they came to a full stop at a station in a place called Weimar, middle of nowhere in Germany. And she says, she says, I was trying to think, what's the importance of this place? And she realized, she remembered it was the birthplace of that poet Schiller that we mentioned before. And she said, Schiller, turn in your grave and see what your people are doing. She said, I adored your poetry. There was a, a, po there was a poem, Die Glock or something, a famous poem. And he, she says, you described a fire that consumed a man's life, destroyed his home and his village. And then you depicted the father standing before the burned ruins. No home, no livelihood. It was all gone. But he cried out, and I'm not even going to attempt to read it in the original German, 
But the translation is, I count the heads of my loved ones and see not one precious head is missing. That he said, at least I have my family. She said, I used to share the hero's anguish. I counted the beloved heads with him. I rejoiced when I saw them all there. And she screamed, Schiller, turn in your grave. Look at that sensitive father who cared so deeply about his family. You know what he's been doing now? He's been burning families. Not one, not a hundred, thousands, countless Jewish children. Did your sensitive father count the heads of the children as he hurled them into the flames? Schiller, do you hear me? Could you count so high? Did you see how they tortured the babies? I saw them. I've seen your young, sensitive father stack babies, one on top of another, so you shouldn't have to waste a bullet in killing them. One bullet killed them all. I saw your tender-hearted fathers loading the trucks with children, screaming, torn from their mothers. I was forced to look, and their fathers and mothers as well. And it was Mother's Day. They played a lullaby to mock our anguish. Schiller, do you recognize the father of your poem when he stoked the furnaces of Auschwitz? You must have. He's your own flesh and blood. It's your professors who planned and built these factories of death. Your doctors are the ones who are not practicing medicine but torture. And while it goes on, your fellow poets drown out the cries of millions with praises of all different German poets. Turn in your grave, Schiller, she said. Your Deutsche Kultur, your German culture, lies dead in the gutter. Pick it up, drag it into your grave, and bury it together with you, because you are both, both are dead. This is what Klal Yisrael throughout the Gullus, we get enthralled with the places that we are. We get farkishift, as they say, with it. And Rachman al-Litzlan, the Rabbi shatters it and shows us it's nothing. Let us go back to what's real. Let us go back to the Torah to realize and that is the lesson of the Teichacha, and that is the Kina of Kina Yud.
Okay, the next kina we say is kina yud aleph. Vayikainein yirmiyo al yoshiyo. This is the story of Yeshua Amelech. Yeshua Amelech was eight years old as the kina begins. Ben Shmaina Shana Hech Echalidrash Melikov. He was eight years old when he became king. He was the son of Amain, the son of Menashe. His father and grandfather were Rishayim, who led Klai Yisrael 
down the road of terrible Averis and Avedazara. And at eight years old, he became the king. He was too young at that time to actually run the king, so other, the kingdom, so others ran it till he was 18. But he realized something was wrong, something was missing from his life. And he was convinced that there was more than just the Avedazara that it was taught in his father and his grandfather's house. And he began to search, and he learned Torah, and he helped Kalai Yisrael, he did tshuva, and he helped Kalai Yisrael do tshuva in an unbelievable fashion. He traveled all over Eretz Yisrael and helped people, it was Mavar Avedazara from Eretz Yisrael, helped people return to their Rabbi Nishalaylam. And he went from house to house when he was 31, to get rid of the Avedazar from people's lives with policemen, and he was very successful. It was one of the greatest periods of tshuva in the history of Kla Yisrael. But of course, there were many people who refused to go along, and they wanted to worship Avedazara. Yetar Avedazara, something we don't understand, can't understand. And in order to avoid detection by the policemen, they made the Avedazaras on doors that split in half, swinging, folding doors. So when the doors were opened, they you're not able to see what was behind them. And when the policemen would come in to check, they would have the doors open and say, there's nothing here. And then when the doors were closed, the halves of the Avedazara came back together and they would worship them. And with all the Yeshua was doing, this was still something he couldn't control, and it continued beyond his control. And the Rabbani Shalom decided that it's time for Yoshio to end his job in this world. And how did that come about? One day he received a letter from the Melech of Mitzrayim, the king of Egypt, Parai Nechai, who had a favor to ask of him. He needed to travel through Eretz Yisrael to get to Aram, which was north of Eretz Yisrael. He was in a war with Aram. And it would be much easier for him to go straight through Eretz Yisrael to get to Aram as opposed to having to detour around. So he asked permission if he could do that. And he made a promise that he's not going to do any damage to Eretz Yisrael. He's just going to pass through without hurting anyone, without anything. Yeshio remembered the Pasuk, Parshas B'chukaisai, V'cherev Leisavar Ba'artzachem. No sword will pass through your land in the brachas of Mechukaisai Telechu. And Chazal say, even not just the sword of war, even a sword of peace will not come through the land. No sword will come through the land. Meaning to say that an army that's going through, even if they say, we're here, we're not going to bother you, you don't have to worry about that either. Yeshio, who thought that he had brought off Klaisel to Tshuva, thought that he was in the period of Mechukaisai Telechu, he thought that we have this bracha, and if we have this bracha, I could refuse the request of Paranachai, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help us, that nothing will happen. And therefore he told him that you cannot do this. You cannot pass through. He didn't realize Klaisa was not on that level. They had not done full tshuva. They weren't zaycha to such a bracha. And he made another mistake for the first time. In Machlaikas and Midrashim, one medrash says, that he did, didn't ask Yermio, his rabbi. Other, another measure says he did and he didn't listen. But either way, 
he was a mistake here in his Das Torah of asking his Rebbe and following what his Rebbe Yermiyo Anavi says. So, Yeshio amassed a large army to stop Paroi from passing through the land. And they met in the city of Megiddo. And Paranachai was so angry at Yeshio, he didn't really care about anybody else in Klai Yisrael. He didn't care about killing anybody, about the army. He just wanted to take Nakam against Yeshio Amelech. And he told the soldiers and the commanders, told the soldiers, don't kill anybody else. Shoot all of your arrows and your weapons at the king. And when that happened, they launched a full attack against one person, Yeshio. And arrows flew through the air, and Yeshio was hit by one arrow after another. And it's described here in the in the Kina, as it goes through the story, shooting arrow after arrow. He was hit with 300 arrows piercing his body. And Yermio Anavi, who knew what was going on, had been following close behind. He was trying to stop, hoping that he would reach the battlefield in time, maybe to stop Yeshio. But when he got there, Yeshio was already dying. And Yermio bent over, and he noticed that Yeshio's lips were moving, and Yermio was nervous. Maybe Yeshio has a tain against the Rabbi Shalom. I brought so much tshuva to Klai Yisrael. Look what I did. And yet this is how I die at the end. But he bent over. He heard him saying the words, Tzadik hu Hashem kifiu marisi. That's what it says in the Kina as well. Ruach svosov hivsomipiu. Tzadik hu Hashem kimarisi piu. Which is the Pasuk in Eicha that we said last night, which the Medrash says, Mi amru lepasuk zeh. Who said this Pasuk? Says the Medrash Yeshio said it. Yeshio, who was following him to hear what he said, heard, Tzadik hu Hashem kifiu marisi. He was matzdik esadin. And when Yermio Navi heard this, he realized Yeshio was a tzadik until the end. And he was taken away from Klai Yisrael because Adarabba, they didn't, Klai Yisrael didn't deserve him. And he began to cry, and with Ruach HaKadosh at that moment, he said, Perek Dalet of Eicha, Eicha Yuham Zov. How is it that the gold is darkened? Yishneh. The fineness of gold has been altered, has changed. Gold is not something that rusts. Gold is not something that really tarnishes quickly. And the Navi is comparing the shock of Yeshio's death to the shock if you would see gold that became dark. And this was the end of the period of Klai Yisrael of tshuva, and from here things were downhill until eventually the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. And the in Divrei Ayamim, when it recite, when it relates this story, in Divrei Ayamim Beis Paraklamid Hey, by Yikainin Yirmiyoh Yoshio, by Yomru, and he said, all of the kinois vayitnum lechayk al Yisrael binam ksuvim ala kinois, and he made it a chayk for Klal Yisrael, the written ala kinois. What does that mean? The Pashup Shad is written ala kinois means in Megillah Seicha, Perek Dalid that we laid last night, that this Perek is a kinan Yeshio Amelech. 
However, Rashi over there, which is not not Rashi, it's another Rishon. But Rashi in Divrei Yomim says, "Vayitnum l'chayik al Yisrael." Yermiyo made a takana for Klal Yisrael. That any time we have any type of thing that we have to, an event, that we have to cry in pain and say kinas over, he made a takana that you have to be mazkir, the tsar of Yeshio's death. Kimoi Dugmai says, Betishabov, Shemaskirin kinas ala rugim bigzere shirubi amenu, kenyivkun amoise shio. Just like Antishabov, then we talk about those who were killed in our days. That was the days of the Crusades, he's talking. You have to talk about the death of, Mois- of Yeshio. And Pashtus were Mekayim that Takana with Laning last night. This morning, when we say Kinois, we should have that Takana as well. Pashtus were Mekayim it. With this kina of a yekain in Yeshio. So, according to that, we're Mekayim Amashatakon of Yermiyo Anavi right now when we're going to say this kina. The, some ask, they're bothered, how come it doesn't say anywhere in the Paiskim such a thing? We don't see this in the Paiskim that uh, we should have to, um, we should do this. They, Mikbracha, Rafamaranchik, asked this in his Sefer. And he says, no, it can't be, we don't paskin like this. Adarabha. Pirkei the Rebbe Lezer learns Pshan this pasuk. It means when Sadiqim die, you have to say a hesped on them and cry over them. That's what Yirmiyo meant, not to include Yoshio. And Memeli says that's why it's taken not brought in the Paiskim to do such a thing, and therefore you don't have to be so worried if not at every tzara you bring up Yoshio. Either way, we're zikr mekayim aratzin here of the of the Navi Yirmiyo. And when we talk about Siduk Hadin, we talk about someone who had. Well, we would think every right in the world to have a tain on the Rabbeinu so to speak, of what he did and accomplished and what was his bitter end. The concept of Tzidu Kadin, as we said, what the Rabbeinu does is good as Aydav Zayn. That's the way it is. Tzidu Kadin is a mid of Kla Yisrael. That's how we survive through Golos. After Kristallnacht, there's a recollection of a family a family that was, seems to me from what, as we'll see in a moment, we could say that they were what we would call orthodox. It seems they kept Torah and mitzvahs, but they were very steeped in the German culture. And this person is relating that after Kristallnacht, he came home for Shabbos, he went to Shul, he saw people, mamish, despondent, despair. He came home, <coughs> He made Kiddush. He said the words, And he said, What I saw is my children with their innocent and questioning eyes upon me. He says, At that moment, there was such a shock that I could only mumble the end of Kiddush and I just collapsed from my experience. And I burst out in tears. And my children couldn't comprehend, well, why was I crying so much? But I knew because it was the end of my existence as a German. An internal severing of my ties with the homeland. In short, it was a funeral. 
I was burying 43 years of my life. He says, even if I had to go through such an experience for only one single day, I could no longer be a German. Who was I now? I was indeed an observant Jew, but I was already deeply assimilated. I had become a son without a homeland. And he says, during the nights, the Nazi gangs were going through the streets, searching for Jews, destroying things. And he says at the end, I visited my parents', parents graves and those of my forebearers, and I imagined I was speaking with them. And I gave them back every ounce of German pride that had been passed on to me by three generations, every ounce that I had imbibed and nurtured. And I screamed into their graves, you were wrong. I was misled. And now I realize I'm no longer German. And who will my children be? And he continues, he says, and the question went unanswered. The Matsevas were silent, and even my old teacher cannot answer me from his grave. There's a certain shake-up a person has. And the Tzidu Kadin, the recognizing that this is what's right, this is what the Rabbeinu Shalom, this is what the Rabbeinu Shalom has in store. In Eicha we read, Koreel Bogduva, all of his friends, all of her friends, they rebelled against her, they betrayed her. They were for her for enemies. Rameir Simchan Meshachachma says, The Reim, the Reim became Ra'im. The Reim, the friends became Ra'im, they became bad. And he says, What's the difference between an Oyev and a Sinai? A few places in Meshachachma, he brings this. An Oyev is someone whose hatred is hidden inside. A Sine is someone who acts. He has married the Kapshatim. Obviously, he can't say it now. We've said it in the Shiurim. Shar Sainacha, Shar Ayivcha. One's a Ayiv, one's a Sine. So, here as well, an Ayiv is someone whose hatred is in his heart. So, he says that's the Pshat in the Pasha. All of those friends, Bagduba, they betrayed her. Hayula. That means to say in the past, you know what they were? How you in the past, la'ivim? They were never really my friends. They were always oivim. They always had that hatred inside them. They just didn't act on it. And the first chance that they got to act on it, I realized that they were not, Yerushalayim realized that this wasn't who, who they weren't really friends. They were actually those who hate us. And that's something that shook up the entire Europe Many places where people who they thought were friends turned on them. Here we have this story of this Yid who he, his whole culture, his whole three generations of his identity in a moment he realized was shattered. Who am I? When the Nazis came into Lodz, September of 1939, Sisters in the storm, there's an eyewitness account of that. And she talks about how they came in with their green uniforms that looked like Makas Arba, swarms of them, without end. And the city went numb. There was cannons and fire and, and marching on the cobblestones. It seems the whole life in Lodz, she says, was smothered underneath the Germans. 
And one day she says, I felt the walls were closing in on me. I wanted to get out, breathe some fresh air. And I went cautiously out in the street. And I saw marching German soldiers. She must have been a young girl. She said, I was too innocent to be frightened. So I went to watch. And I got a view of them. She says, I don't know why I had the impulse to see them, to see them, but I know what happened next shattered something in me forever. Because as the soldiers marched, they began to sing. This is Poland, but she says, I knew enough German to understand what they were saying. And I couldn't believe my ears. And again, I'm not going to try to say it in German, but the translation is, when Jewish blood spurts from the knife, then all goes doubly well. What shook her so much? Because one of her neighbors, the man who was the family friend, the man who used to come over Friday night for chalent, enjoyed my mother's cooking, used to come over to eat, Mamish, our friend. And I saw he was singing along with them this song at the top of his lungs, wearing a German militia uniform with his shiny black swastika band. And here he was, our friend, singing that horrible song with such gusto. For the first time in my life, I knew the meaning of utter despair. There's a certain realization. Yeshio, the Tzidok Hadin of understanding we don't understand. But part of that Tzidok Hadin is when we see things, in a, we try to see things in the proper light, get shook up from things. And here, in both of these instances, these people here, what they thought, they had a realization. It was like a, all of a sudden some clarity of what really is going on here. And that's what a Tishabov is all about. That is what thinking about Saris is all about, is to tr- remember, as Rav Dessler said, to try to get some clarity in the Tzidah Kadin, both of these halves go together. The fact that Yoshio says, Hashem Marisi, okay, so what? So therefore he deserves to be to be to be pierced with three hundred spears like a sieve. I don't understand. Sadiku Hashem. At the same time to get some clarity, there's a there's a mahalach here. The Rabbanishalm knows what's going on. He sees how we've been too entrapped and too enthralled in this gullus that we're in and at times unfortunately he has to shatter that and bring that clarity by
We go now to Kino Tezayin. Kino Tezayin, Zechor Asher Osser Tzor Bifnim, Bifinim. This is the story of Titus, Gemara Gitin, Nunvav. Titus, as he came into the base Hamikdash. And he entered the Heichal and he saw the Paraiches and he attacked it because he thought that perhaps Kaviyachal he could kill the Rabbeinu Shalaylam. As the Kina says, Sholaf Kharba, Yuval, Lifnai, Lifnim. So he stabbed the Paraiches. And Chazal tell us that blood spurted out of the Paraiches. And because of that, he continued thinking to himself that Rahman Khasvashalam he killed the Rabbina Shalaylam. There's some life in that Paraiches. And as we know, he took out many of the Klaishores of the Beis Hamikdash, sent them to Rome. And then he went into the Kaidish Hakadoshim and he did terrible Averis there. And whoever experienced this, where where they were shocked, they thought perhaps lightning would strike him down. Everyone knew, Kalzar, this is the Kedish Hakadoshim, any Zar that comes in is Chai of Misa, only the Kain Gadol and Yim Kippur could come into the Kedish Hakadoshim with the proper Avoida. How could it be? For sure he's going to be killed. But as we know, the Shechina had already left. And the truth is, the Kedusha had left, the Mikdash was already destroyed before Titus got there. And therefore, he wasn't doing it in the Kaidish HaKadoshim. And therefore, there was no Siyat HaDishmaya as well, that the Rabbi Nisham should kill him on the spot. And this is, when we talk about Titus, when we talk about how low a person could fall, this is his victory lap. His victory lap is to do such disgusting things, to do such types of acts. It's not how a human being acts. And on the flip side, at the end of the Kina, we talk about the Medrash, the Gemara Gitan as well, the Medrash, that talks about the 300 captured children that Titus loaded onto ships to send to Rome in order that the Romans could do terrible Averis with these children. And the children knew what they were, where they were headed, and they decided to give up their lives, Al-Kedushas Hashem. 
they decided that they're going to rather die and take their own lives than have to go and have these Averas done to them in Rome. And they asked the oldest amongst them, what should we do? And this is what he decided, it's better to die. And immediately they went, there was a few ships, they all signaled to each other, and they jumped into the water, as the Kina says at the end, They decided they're going to jump into the Before they jumped, they sang Like Klai Yisrael sang by the Yamsuf. Because we're being killed for you, Rabbi Nishalaylam. It's a play on the Pasuk. And this is, this is the exact opposite of what Titus represented. Titus represented a life of being metame, everything that's holy. A life of showing the behemoth that there is in a person and how low one could fall. And here you have children who realize, Adirabba, what's Kedusha? What's Tahara? What's a Yid supposed to be? What is our life like, supposed to be like? To live and be the victim of such terrible Averas done to us? That's not a life. We'd rather die, be Kedusha, give up our lives, than to live that trefa life that they might subject us to. And that's the truth about the difference between who we are and who they are. The Nazis, this is what they tried to do to us, to dehumanize Kla Yisrael. Before, it wasn't enough for them to murder the Yidin. They wanted to dehumanize them. And... In the book, Memories of a Vanished World, she writes there, Goethe Sternbach, the Germans wanted to degrade our values, to make us betray our ideals, to make us view other Jews, not as human beings, but as objects. And some Jews collaborated with the Nazis, and this constituted a great triumph for the Germans. To dehumanize a person to such an extent was a greater victory than killing him. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to dehumanize Klai Yisrael. That was more to them than actually killing the person. Once they dehumanized him, then they killed him. And when we talk about resistance, and we talk about these children who stood up, gave up their lives, but they, for this value, no adults there, it was just children. In the Lodge Ghetto, May 1940, May 1st, 1940, the ghetto was sealed. And the suffering in the ghetto was unbelievable. And the descriptions, this is from Sisters in the Storm, the Nazis believed that by subjecting their victims to inhuman conditions, they would either commit suicide or kill each other. And those who insisted on surviving would die of starvation or disease. We Jews were indeed quite stubborn. The starvation and diseases, that worked out all too well for them. But the Nazis made one mistake, one big mistake. They forgot they were dealing with Jews. 
Instead of being driven to suicide when we're faced with total annihilation, we look for avenues of resistance. We clung to life, totally contradicting our enemy's line of reasoning. And isolated from the outside world, we turned inward instead. Because in the ghetto, they established schools in Chadarim. And you know who went to those schools? Even the assimilated Jews from before the war, who never saw a cheder, they started going to their schools and learning about Yiddishkeit. They said, what's the point of being a guy if the Gaim don't think we're Gaim, we might as well go back to being Yidin. In a way, it was the most stubborn form of resistance we could have chosen. We insisted on living when the Nazis wanted us to die. They wanted to destroy our willpower and faith. We laughed in their faces. We established minyanim and chaburas to learn. Sounds of Torah rang through the streets of the ghetto. Bnos, which had been disbanded, was reorganized in the ghetto. And she describes how her brother, who was a yeshiva man, a yeshiva bacher, they had a chabura learning from morning till night. They had nothing else to do. They learned basmada. They didn't even go home to eat. What little food did they have? They got a little ration. Every member came, and in the morning they put it all in a common bowl, and they would sit there. And they would learn from morning to night. They would take a break. They would sing while they were eating that little bit because there wasn't much to eat. And they went weiter. And she says, I remember when my mother prepared a shalashudas for the entire group. Ten men. They came. They put their food. They brought some food with them. Put it in the middle. She says, I wasn't even used to seeing so much food. Ten people's food. That was a lot of food for us at the time. My mouth was watering. I figured... They would sit down and eat everything in sight, but they didn't. They started to learn. They started talking, learning in the Masechta. They didn't even realize that the food was there. And she says, at that moment I realized that they were resisting the Nazis in a way that the Germans could never counter. How could the Germany ever defeat Bachrim who didn't pay attention to suffering and hunger? How is it possible? These Bachrim, they eventually washed, they eventually ate the Shalashudis, and they sang their Zmiris. And she says, they got up and they started dancing. And she says, after they went and they left to Davin Mairev, I realized that this had actually been an act of rebellion. They defied the Nazis. The suffering did not drive them to despair. Adarabah, they stubbornly insisted on keeping their faith. And instead of following the orders of the Germans, they followed the orders of the Torah. Our defiance of the Nazis was in refusing to give up the Yiddishkeit they were trying to tear away. That's Starkite. That's who we are as a Kla Yisrael. In the Rav David Werdiger Zechariah Levracha described being in the concentration camp, Mauthausen, he said, as he wrote, he said, it took a sadistic cruelty to dream up a place like Mauthausen, whose sole purpose was to inflict pain and degrade and dehumanize its inmates. The Germans succeeded in inflicting pain in the most gruesome ways, but they failed in their attempt to dehumanize us. 
even in his deepest misery, the simplest Jew felt superior to the well-fed, pompous Germans. He knew that while the ancestors of the German oppressors were still illiterate and uncouth, his own ancestors had been creating Talmud, Medrash, the Gemara. And deep in their hearts, the Germans also knew that, that they were an inferior and barbaric race. And this awareness resulted in their jealousy and boundless hatred of the Jews. Chazal say, why is Har Sinai called Sinai? It's the place, the Yard of Sina al Yisrael, La'ilam al Yisrael. This is the place that the Sina of the Umas Ha'ilam came to Kla Yisrael. Because they know the difference between us and them. The difference between Atitas and these children. The difference between the Nazis and those Yidin who the way they fought against them, the way they rebelled against them, was not to become inhuman. Adarabah, to show what a true human is. That it's not about necessarily the food, the water, the comforts. It's about emun under Rabbi Shalom. It's about taira. It's about chesed, as we'll see in the next kina. This is who Kla Yisrael is. And that's the contrast of this kina. Titus, on the top of the world, is acting like a behemoth. And the children who are on the bottom of the world are acting like what true people are supposed, are supposed to act like. And that is something that we have to think about as well. We live in a world of titus. We live in a world of titus. Not lifnai v'lifnim. It's nothing hidden. We've spoken about this numerous times. Kavayochel, I'm using such a term, lifnai v'lifnim, just to mean it's not in a hidden place. It's begali. It's a pride. It's a pride. And everyone has to be excited about this. It's mamish titus. And we have to be stark. And we have to realize that this is our way of fighting against it. This is our mechama. Baruch Hashem, our mechama is a different mechama than of previous generations. But this is our mechama, as this tumma is coming in and seeping in and trying to dehumanize us and degrade us and desensitize us, and it has. We are less sensitive. Things that we would never have even thought to dream about, to ever utter out of our lips words 20, 25 years ago. Today, unfortunately, our kids, it's, 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 it is what it is. This is what, what, what's talked about. It's, we don't even understand how mias it is. And this is what this kina is supposed to give us, the chizuk, to see this contrast. To mechazek ourselves in Kedushas Yisrael, mechazek ourselves are Kedushas Habayis, Kedushas Hadibur, Kedushas HaMachshava, who we are as a Kla Yisrael, and that's the way that we fight against it, and that's the way we show the Rabbeinu Shalolam how dedicated we are to him. Zachar Asher Asasar
Next, Kina Yudzayan. In Techanun Osh Imperium, Oile Tipuchim, Alayli, Lezer Kalir describes terrible hunger in the times of the Churban, so much so, caused Noshim to Rahman al Islam eat their children. In Tevashel no Noshem Rachmanus Yiladim, Noshem Rachmanus Bishlu Yodeyem, as the as the pasuk we learned last night in Eicha. The terrible hunger that there is, that there was Bishas the Churban, and hunger, as we said, the hunger, as the pasuk says, being killed by Cherev is better than those who unfortunately Rahman al-Islam die of such terrible death of hunger. And to say and to describe how these a Yiddish Imama, the greatest Rahmanias in the world, to come to such desperation that such a thing should happen, that they should take their own children. A mother usually gives up her life for her child. But such desperation Obviously, they weren't at their full senses and minds. And how does such a thing happen? How does such a thing happen as the end of the kina, after describing all of these terrible thirst and hunger? Beruach HaKadosh Lemulo Marim Hoyal Koshchena Heroim Mashikrom Oidiyim Veisasherosu Loim Oidiyim That it says what happened to them they call out, but they don't say what they did to cause it. The Ruach HaKadosh says, you're crying out, that you're crying out, but you're not saying why this happened. This happened because of a great Achzarius of being killed in the Beis HaMikdash, Mikdash Hashem, Koyin Venavi, Of Zechariah, who was a Kayin and a Navi, giving Musar. About Klai Yisrael serving Abayda Zara and being killed in the base Hamikdash. The, the Ruach HaKadosh is saying, all you're crying is for the Einish. But this didn't just happen. This happened because of an Avera. The terrible, the terrible calamity of hunger 
is something, as we mentioned before, in the ghettos and in other places, the concentration camps. In the Warsaw Ghetto Diaries, Dr. Hillel Seidman, who was a survivor, described people dying from hunger, collapsing. At that point, they were afraid to go to the soup kitchens, he says, because anyone who, so to speak, was taking public welfare would be deported as non-productive if you can't earn yourself a living. What could you earn anyways? But that was part of the whole Nazi game. And anyways, most of them were closed, he says, except for the German workers of German factories. So people are collapsing in the street in the great heat. So he writes as follows, Now we have a new dilemma. What is preferable, to die from hunger or in the death trains? The Navi and Eicha taught us, Taivim, it's much better, more fortunate, the victims of the sword than the victims of the famine that we just quoted. And this cruel choice is laid before thousands of Warsaw's Jews, weakening their resolve and their will to survive or resist. The hunger pe- penetrates everywhere, rich, poor. And now, he says, today I too feel the full weight of the famine. This is from his diary. I had no bread and fasted all day. My head is heavy, my limbs feel like lead. I move with great difficulty. They tell me that nearby I could get a quarter of a kilo of bread for 25 zlotas, but I can't summon the energy or inclination to go there. In the meantime, I receive a plate of soup from the Kila kitchen and begin to live again. Only now can I comprehend what starvation is all about. The greatest writer cannot describe it adequately. I have read many books and novels on the subject, but I never, knew, I never really knew what hunger meant until I personally experienced it firsthand. Now I understand why Chazal, the Gemara, and brought in Halach as well, say that when there's a famine outside, a person is not allowed to fill his stomach. He's not allowed to eat to, to be full. Because we must empathize with the pain of others. And you can't empathize in thought alone. Only by cutting one's own food intake can one unite with the communal sorrow. And that he said, we could talk about it, we could describe it. No one should ever live through it. But it's something that's not describable. Other than the little hunger that we're all feeling now because we didn't eat breakfast. And the little hunger as it gets through the day. Stop for a moment and be mishtatif in the tsar of those who in our history died of hunger, went through this hunger. It's, a, it's, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to take something that's hard for us and for a moment say, Rabbi Shalaylam, we should never have to know from such a thing. And we're mishtatif in the tsar of those, even if they're not here anymore. Can be mishtatif in their tsar, that's what we do on Tisha B'av. We're mishtatif in the tsar of Kla Yisrael. A little bit of hunger is being mishtatif in the tsar of Kla Yisrael. But in this kina, we always say, there's a medrash that says, the end of the Pasuk over there, in Imperium, the Medrash says an example of The Medrash says that the Rabbi Shalom said, I want to destroy Kla Yisrael, but they don't allow me to do it. They don't allow me to do it. What do you mean they don't allow me to do it? Says the Rabbi Shalom, because 
You could have a person who unfortunately lost someone was nifter in their family and they need a sudas havra. The only way they could eat is if there's bread brought in from the outside. But how much bread is there? Everyone's starving in the time of the Khurban. So a mother would take the bread out of her children's mouth to go give it to the next door neighbor for the mitzvah of chesed of Sudas Havra. That's who Kla Yisrael is. That's in Teichal Taking the food out of their children's mouth for what? To go give it to somebody else who needs it, to do chesed with it, to do tztaka, to do a mitzvah. With everything and anything, I see. I can't do it. I can't destroy. They don't let me destroy them. Because look at the unbelievable tsaras they're going through, and they're still doing chesed. And they're still looking out for the other person. That's a Kla Yisrael. I can't destroy such a Kla Yisrael. That's who we are under every circumstance. Rabbi Yisrael Friedensen, Zechayna Levracha, also a Warsaw Geta survivor. talks about Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Memorial Day, it's the 27th of Nisan, because that's the day of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. That's, they decided that that's the day we remember the Holocaust. And the official title in Eretz Yisrael, in Medina Yisrael, I should say, is Yom HaShoah V'Hagivurah. It's the day of the Holocaust and the heroism. Why? Because it was the day of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. And one critic, not Rabbi Yisrael Friedensen, one critic wrote, how can I accept this without denying the dignity of the six million who had no recourse to arms, yet they had the courage to preserve their Yiddishkeit and their basic humanity in the presence of their murderers. Are they less heroic than the men of the daring Molotov cocktail? And Rabbi Yosef Friedison writes, he was in the Warsaw Ghetto. He said, we find it blasphemous when most remembrance gatherings are focused on the uprising in the Warsaw Ghetto. As this uprising is the central symbol of Jewish martyrdom and heroism during the Holocaust. We honor, of course we honor those who gave their lives in defense of the Jews of the Ghetto. But we cannot accept the implied defamation of the honor and dignity of millions of others whose milit- who, who did not express it themselves in the handling of a rifle. My late father, Reb Lezer Friedensen, gave away his last morsel of bread to the weeping children of the ghetto, was no less a hero for not ever having shot a gun. That's who Kla Yisrael is, no matter what. We preserve our Yiddishkeit, our basic humanity. That's been the theme of what we've been saying for the last few Kenites. This is who Klai Yisrael is. And Rabbi Yisrael Friedensen said a Misa as well in Auschwitz. He described a Hungarian Yid, his name was Binyamin, who was his bunkmate in Auschwitz, Barak 22. And every morning this Binyamin would be Meiser Nefesh to get up and daven with Tfilin. He had Tfilin that he had hidden. And every day when he reached the words, Ashreinu Matayv Chalkeinu, he would say each word with great kavana, translating it into Yiddish as he went along. Ashreinu, how fortunate we are, Matayv Chalkeinu, Manoim Geiraleinu. And he would sing this again and again and again, ten times every morning. Says Rabbi Friedensen, Rabbi Yisrael Friedensen, could you begin to imagine a person squeezed into a barrack, 
terrible hunger pains in the shadow of the chimneys of the crematoria where his family and thousands of Yidin were murdered daily, whose highest ambition of the day was to survive another day. And he wakes up in the morning to rejoice that he is a Yid. That's who we are as a Klai Yisrael. When we say it every morning, think about it for a moment, about this Rabbi Yaman who said it in Auschwitz every single day, and over and over, and he felt it. Because Klai Yisrael has that Ruach, that's who we are. You know what happened to this Rabbi this Binyamin, Rafridinson says, that one day, he heard, this Binyamin heard, that the Nazis were making a different type of selection. The selection was, which people are going to be chosen to work in the crematoria. And he began to shake uncontrollably as a, the thought that he'd be selected to have to throw other Yidin into the furnaces. And his normal cheerful nature disappeared. How could I ever do such a thing? He became overnight a mere shadow of himself just from the worry that he might be chosen to do this. And the next day actually he was chosen not for that job, but to go to the gas chambers to be killed. But his last words were, Today is, a much, better, is much better for me than yesterday with the previous selection, because it's much easier to go to Ilam Haba with clean hands. I don't have to go that I had to throw my own brothers into the crematoria. This is who Klai Yisrael is. On the one hand, we have him Techal Nosh Imperium, we have the terrible tsaris that we describe. But in that Teichal Nanash Imperium, the Medrash sees much more. The Rabbeinu Shalom sees the heroism of Klai Yisrael. Makes no difference what's going on. The last piece of bread we're giving away for somebody else. We remain who we are as a Klai Yisrael. That's the true heroes of Klai Yisrael. That is who Klai Yisrael is. We have to remember that. Remember who we are as a Klai Yisrael. To take care of other people. Not to be mazik other people. This is who we are. That's the, besides feeling the hunger today to be mishtatif, it's arosom, but to realize who Klai Yisrael is, how as the Nazis tried the hardest they could try, but they weren't able to do it. Because you can never, netzach Yisrael lo yeshaker, it's impossible. If the Rabbeinu Shalom says, Ein hei manichem I see, Klai Yisrael doesn't let me destroy them, Klai Yisrael doesn't let anybody destroy them.
So we are now to Kino Chafalif, Arze Halavonain, Adire Atoira, the Kino and the Saruge Malchus, Balitrisim, the Mishnah of Gemara, Giberekayach, Amalea Betahara, Domam Nishbach, Vinosta Gavura, Inam Kedoshi, Aruge Malchus, Asara, Valelani, Bechia, Veni Nigra, the Saruge Malchus. We mentioned twice a year, once on Tishabav, when we talk about Khurban, and once on Yom Kippur, when we invoke the Kedusha of Klai Yisrael, when we invoke the godless of who Klai Yisrael is, our Gedolim, those who are Moser Nefesh, our Kiddush Hashem, to invoke their Schusim for Klai Yisrael. And every year, before we talk about Yonim of Kiddush Hashem in this Kina, some cipher, as we mentioned last night, would always speak. His Russia was on Zion of always. And in that Russia, he would usually be Masbid. One of the Gedolim was Nifter during that year. As Silukim Shel Sadikim. The loss of a tzaddik is even greater on some levels than Tzreifas Beis Alikeinu. So it's something that we put together with Churban Beis Hamikdash. And we talk about a Godol who was nifter during this past year, usually by this Kina. And as we know, Maran Rosh Yeshiva Zechreinu Livrochor of Gershon Edelstein was Nifter not long ago. To understand what a Godel be Yisrael is, there's a letter from Abitza Kochanan when he wrote against, they wanted to open up a uh, seminar for rabbis to produce Rabbonim and Gedolim, the government. And he wrote a letter. And in that letter, he says, Describes who Klai Yisrael sees as their Gedolim. Nishmas Umayseinu, the Neshama of our nation, who rak Teresainu Akedosha. Viesh Lalumaseinu Hakaramuchashis Yadua. Our nation has a certain way of recognizing. It's a. It's just. It's. It's something we feel and know. Viregish Penimi. And in internal emotions and feelings, 
when it comes to Gedoli Ater and the Rabbonim. He says, There's only one thing that we recognize as someone who is going to be the Godol, and that is the Mailas Hatera. And we give this position, so to speak, the one we turn to, it's not a position, the one we turn to is all that matters is his We don't care where he learned it. It's not about if he has a degree, if he has a diploma. It doesn't matter. We don't even care about his kishrainus. We don't care about that. He could have a title of a rav. He could be a businessman. How many of our gedolim and our gedolim shurim were businessmen? They became big rabbon and became gedolim. Mm-hmm. It's the Torah that uplifts him. With the internal feeling of Kla Yisrael. That's the one we're going to trust with our questions. The Elov Yishma Yisrael. So you're going to make here a base hamedjish the rabbanim that this the matar is to produce rabbanim. That's not the way this works with Kla Yisrael. Kla Yisrael's rabbanim. There's one thing we don't care who he is, where he is, where he came from. We have this inner feeling. The Rabbanim Shalom's hashkacha. There's a letter in in Penine uh, Penine from Rav Schulzinger, but the letter is written by Rabbi Pfeiffer from South Africa, Zechariah Levracha, to someone about Rav Shach, and he writes in there also. There's no elections. No one runs to be the God of Hadar. It's not like you have parties and things like that and now we decide who it is. Somehow, the Rabbi Shalman emerges a God of Hadar. And it's not always the biggest Hamachachim in the Dar. There's also other Kishrainas. There could be bigger Tamid Chachamim. But there's a certain Ashkacha that Kla Yisrael has that just by osmosis, the next God of Hadar is here. Layalman Yisrael. And we saw this with Marin of Gershon, Zechrein of Racha, Marin Rashi Yeshiva, 20 years ago. Who heard of him? I, he's been saying Shir and Panovich for 80 years. If you're in Panovich, you heard of him. They say the highest year. He said the first year, Bismedrash Shir. The first year, Bismedrash Shir. They said the Bachrim, when they would hear the Shir, it was such a Pashtus. Then they would go hear him say Shir Klali to the whole Yeshiva, and they realized how much more he knew, how great he really was. But in his Shir, he was talking to the Shir. But who heard of him? Who heard of him? If you're a Panovich, you heard of him. We knew it's a big, but but who, who as a Godol, as the Godol Adar, and slowly we had Maran Rabbar and Leib, and then together Maran Saratayra, Maran Rosh Hashivah, Reb Gershon, Reb Chaim, fearing Kla Yisrael. It just happened. This is Ashkochas Hashem, and to me, you've heard this many times from me. Those who have heard this many times that it was a tkufa of a certain. Comfort that we had Rav Gershon as part of Kla Yisrael. It was a throwback to the days of Rav Shach, Zechariah Lebracha. When we were Bachrim, Rav Shach was running the world, running the Olam HaTayra. There was such a pride to be a Ben Taira. We knew there was a Rav Shach who was running things, who wrote letters, who told us Das, who, 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 who was Mechazek Kla Yisrael, who spoke by, by Yarchi Kalos with Das Taira. There was a certain excitement to it. There was a certain pride to Kla Yisrael. Every Gadol has their own way of doing things. 
and the, and the, and the next Gedolim weren't necessarily the same way. They didn't have that. That wasn't the way they feared Kla Yisrael. But somehow with Rav Gershon, as he would write letters to Kla Yisrael, as he would speak and they would see, he had no problem with them sending out videos of what he would say. He was Darchiyachizuk. There was such a comfort of a Kloradas Torah when things happened. How many times here did we read his letters when something happened in the world? Did he say great Chidushim? No, it was a Pashtus. But it was such a Pashtus that it was so emes. And we felt that. His loss is something mamish, uh, immeasurable, immeasurable. Loyal men Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, Yibaldam Echaim Lechai, Yimaron Rav Dov Lando, we have Gedolim, the Rabbani Shalom doesn't leave us. Yimaron Rav Baruch Mordechai, but in the Malkish, you have Rav Fushalayim, we have Gedolim, we have Gedolim, Baruch Hashem. A certain, Rav Gershon has a certain, as we said many times, Rav Gershon Dick. There was something special about him. And I want to tell you, I heard a, Hespid from Abdavid Kayan, the Chavon of Rashiva, he gave it in England, on Rav Gershon, and he said that the family told him that for the last 10 years, Rav Gershon's heart worked at 20%. 20%, that's all it worked at. He had a heart issue for many, many years. That's why he didn't travel a lot, even outside of an Ebrak. Besides that, he felt he needs to be in Yeshiva. He, he was so in tune with his heart and what was going on, he knew that if it started beating a little too fast, he had to calm himself down. He was mamish in tune. Al-Kedekach, he's the one who sent himself to the hospital on Shavuos. He said, I'm holding now at Pikuach Nefesh. Like, he, he himself, he knew exactly what was going on. This for years, but for the last 10 years, he said his heart was working at 20%. The last 10 years is when he was the God of Adar. The last 10 years is when... He made his mark on Talmidim, but his make his mark on Klai Yisrael in that way, in a tzibradik way, in an un, uh, normal, not a normal oifen, that he feared Klai Yisrael through so many issues with a Clarkite, with a, with a, with a, with a Clarkite. He was, he was with 20% of his heart. And the reason is because he was Liban Shal Yisrael. He had the heart of Gantz Klai Yisrael pumping for him. He didn't need the capacity of his heart. It had to beat a little bit to give him that little bit of Chayim. But Lemaisi had the lave of Gantz Klai Yisrael as part of him. He carried that oil and Memele was Mechayim. And that's what gave him who he was. Rav Gershon Zechrein Levracha. It's, 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 what shaykhs did I have to him? Very little shaykhs to him. Like I said, I, I didn't hear of him recently. Baruch Hashem, I was eichet to be by him a year ago. And Mamash, a month before he was nifter, as you know, I was eichet to be by a minion. He wasn't taking people. I was eichet to go to David Meirev by him. But he, he gave me so much chizuk and so much comfort of, 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 for Kla Yisrael. Mamash, uh, uh, such, a, such a loss that Kla Yisrael suffered. Even with his petiro, we saw such godless mamish giving sheer to the last moment. Adam Kiyamus Ba'oil dying, being nifter mamish as he's writing the notes of the last sheer. Zadavar Pela Ad that the G'daylim said we haven't seen such a thing in, in, in Dairis. Such a thing like that, or in a long time, I'm just like Dairis. Didn't see something in a very long time, not in our generation. And just to reiterate, Rav Gershon was all about Midas Taivas, as we mentioned last night, as we mentioned during the week, as we learned through his Farim during the week about Midas Taivas to bring the Geula. That was Marn Rosh Hashiva, Zechreina Levracha, Rav Gershon, that we lost this year. Haisif Shever Al Shever, that is the, another Shever, Kisrefas Beis Ali Kainu. When we talk about the Asoru Malchus, we talk about giving up life, Al Kiddush Hashem. We talk about living our Kiddush Hashem. We talk about in the Holocaust, in the Warsaw Ghetto, Rav Hillel Simon, Dr. Hillel Simon, I'm sorry, 
in his diary, talks about how, as we said before, they made shuls, there were bunkers, there were bachram learning, and he describes a certain well-known secularist, he calls him. His name was uh, Zaidim Baital. And he says, this secularist said, he saw these Bachram learning in these bunkers that they made, trying to hide. He says, these Bachram, they sit and they study through the night. And they pray just like they're in a shul, he says, like in a synagogue. And he described the Nigunim, the Zmirais, they sing on Shabbos. This, this Freya person was humming some of the Nigunim to this Dr. Seidel that he picked up there in the bunker. And he starts telling him some Shvertlach, see the Shvertlach that he, that he that talked to him. And this Dr. Seidel says, I could sense that he has a respect and even perhaps a little jealousy for these Bachrim. And one of the other first people over there said is the following. And I think he was also not a from a person. He said, they at least know why they are suffering. They at least know why they are suffering. They know. Me, I'm a fry person. And it says, what am I? I tried my best to be like a good Polish, Polish person or wherever he was from. And this is what I get for it? They know. And this Dr. Seidel said, you were just mechaven to a chazal. Ashrecha Rebbe Akiva. That you were that you were being you were arrested for teaching Torah. That's who we are as a Kla Yisrael. To the last moment, to live a kid, live al Kiddush Hashem and to be Moshe Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem. The Sarugimalchus we are the paradigm of Tzadikim who gave up their lives al Kiddush Hashem, Rebbe Kiva Vichaverov. And that vision and their ideals is what gives us the strength to live al Kiddush Hashem and Rahman al-Islan in those generations that they had to give up their lives, al-Kiddush Hashem. And when we talk about this, the Nazis had something very cruel, very cruel that they did. What they did was, they had a special calendar, Goebbels calendar, the Nazi, Joseph Goebbels, his calendar, what was his calendar? His calendar was whenever there was a yontif for Klal Yisrael, he would on that day make terrible, terrible atrocities and all types of things. And he was hoping that this will depress Klal Yisrael. And their yontif is when the, the, he's going to make all these terrible, terrible gzairas against them. And he says, they say that Adarabba, rather than depress them, this yontif, the fact it was yontif, uplifted them. And when these Yidin gave up their lives al Kiddush Hashem, on a Yontif Adarab, it gave that Kiddush Hashem even a deeper meaning for them. And that was something that they couldn't figure out. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand that famous story of Shach said, as the people who were, who were singing on Simchas Torah, dancing to the gas chamber. How is it possible such a thing? It's possible because we have a Rebbe Kiva and Rebbe Chanita ben Trajain and all the G'daylam that we're going to talk about here in this Kina who also were dancing and so to speak saying Kiddush taken away to be killed. These are, who are, these are the ideals that we live with. This is a part of us. We want to live Al-Kiddush Hashem and Rachman Al-Litzlan if a person has to die Al-Kiddush Hashem that's who we are as a Kla Yisrael. In Lodz, Shavuos 1943 the Nazis ordered everyone to come into the marketplace for something important. No one knew exactly what was going to happen, but the Yidin chapt what was going on. Why? 
because they knew that the previous Purim, the Nazis had taken ten Yidin and uh, hanged them. L'zeicher, the hanging of the Aseris B'nei Haman. It's Purim. So we're going to make a Simcha and Purim, make a Yantif. Hanging ten Yidin, L'zeicher, the Aseris B'nei Haman. So they understood that now Shavuos is here. Shavuos is Aseris Hadibrois. So probably we're going to have the same thing. So Taka, that's what it was. And ten Jews were selected by the Nazis to be hanged in the town square, Zeicher to the Aseris Hadibris. And one of them was a Yid named Reb Shleima Zelichovsky. And this Reb Shleima was about Tzvila, about Menagin, about Tzvila of Yomim Neiroim. And while the Germans made a whole spectacle about preparing the gallows, and they were making all types of stands, and their wives and friends are going to come, Mamashin events, send down invitations <coughs> to view this joyous public spectacle <coughs> Excuse me, that, not, that they were going to do, Reb Shloyme had his own preparations. He persuaded his fellow prisoners, the ten that were chosen, that the day before the public hanging, we're going to fast. Wasn't Yantif, was Arab Yantif. And while they're fasting, he's going to lead them, his, whole, his minion here, in the complete Avoidus Yom HaKippurim. And <coughs> the Yudinrat, the Jewish policemen, who had access to the prison courtyard, they reported they never heard such a beautiful heart-rending Yom Kippur Tzvila. Even they were moved to tears. But this was only the beginning. Reb Shleimah saved Eil Azkara, the Piot, <coughs> and Yom Kippur of the Asaru Gemalchus, as well as pieces of Ni'ila that he saved for the next day, the day that they were going to be killed. And together, as the procession was led from the prison to the gallows, he started singing and saying the Eil Azkara of the Asaru Gemalchus saying some of the slichas of Ni'ilah, this was their Ni'ilah. And it was in a beautiful, loud and clear voice that he said these tefillahs. And then they put them up on the gallows, they put the ropes around their necks, and there was a deathly silence as multitudes of Jews and non-Jews looked on. And suddenly the voice of Reb Shleimah broke through with a soul-searing cry of Shema Yisrael, which pierced Every, everything, the stillness, the heavens. And his nine fellow victims, his minion, responded with their own cry of Shema Yisrael. And as they described this, they said, the heart of every Jew present brimmed over with the indescribable feeling of pride, dignity, and incomparable spiritual exhalation. In the words of an eyewitness, Label Brickman said, there was an awesome stillness. And suddenly that stillness was pierced with a fiery soul-searing voice, Shema Yisrael. Who can describe what took place within the hearts of the multitudes of Jews? This is this label Brickman saying this. The onlookers at this moment. We were elevated, exalted. We shouted voicelessly. We wept without tears. We stood erect without having moved. We cried out, we cried out, each one of us, Shema Yisrael, within the innermost recesses of the soul. Who can describe that gathering? And this name, Shleim Zalachovsky, lived on as a legend in the Lodge Ghetto, as a source of pride and hope 
of Netzach Yisrael. And all those Yidin, as they went out of the larger ghetto and wherever they went, this they always carried with them. The the the, the vision of the Shlomo Zalachovsky, being Moisar Nafshal Kiddush Hashem, together with Rebbe Kiva, together with Asara Ruge Malchus, singing Shema Yisrael Ashrecha Rebbe Kiva, that you were Nitvas for Divrei Taira Ashrecha Rebbe Kiva, that Yatsa Nishmasi Be'echad. This is who Kla Yisrael is. We get our strength from the Asara Ruge Malchus, but not only to die Al Kiddush Hashem, but to live Al Kiddush Hashem. We have our own Nisyayinus of Kiddush Hashem. We have our own Nisyayinus as we mentioned. And from these Asara Ruge Malchus, we should get the same Chizuk. The same pride to be able to stand up to our Nisyayinus. The same pride to be able to say, I don't do this because I'm a Yid, because I live Al Kiddush Hashem, because I say Shema Yisrael. That's where we're supposed to draw our strength from these Asara Ruge Malchus, who have given strength to Kla Yisrael throughout the generations.
We now go to Kina Chafhei. As we move away from the Kinais of the Chorban Beit Hamikdash, later into the later on in history of Klal Yisrael, to the Gzeiras Tatnu, Gzeiras Tatnu of 1096 of the Crusades. And <clears throat> we've talked about this, Barichos, in other years, Tishabav. And we talk about this all the time in the Tkufa of when this happened. And in this Kina, we talk about the cities specifically. There's four Kinas actually in the Gezeris Tanu of the Crusades. We'll be doing two of them, Chafei and Chavtes, we usually do. Um, but here in Chafei is a famous kina where it goes through not only it goes through the dates of when the three cities of Shum, Shpira, Vermeiza, Magentia, Spire, Worms, and Mainz were destroyed in the first Crusades of 1096. And in the in the kina, it says. For those who were killed in Spire, this is the month of Iyar, Ches Iyar, Nergu Bachure Chemer, Rishishi Hadara, that they were killed as the Crusaders were coming from France, they were going north. Spire is the southernmost of these three cities of Shum. And then he continues, Kahal Vermeiza, the great city of Worms. The 23rd of the month of Iyar. And a second time. Twice. Second time. When they were singing Halal, so to speak. They were also killed. Twice. And Magensia, Mainz, was on the 3rd of Sivan. On the third of Sivan, Achaydish Asher Nepach Liyogin Vitzara, the Chaydish Hashlishi, the Chaydish of Nesina Satayra, the day of Matan Tayra, Cain Az Chazra, so to speak, it went back up. And this is the Tkufa of Sfira, the Tkufa of Avelus Hasfira, which we've talked about numerous times, which is a Tkufa that's very misunderstood, I think, in Klal Yisrael of today. And in our children's lives, we talk about it as the Tamidi Rabbi Akiva, and it's something hard for children to relate to. It's a long time ago, and so on and so forth. But there's another aspect of the Avelos, and that's the Avelos of the Crusades. And in fact, as we said many times, not so long ago, even if you kept the first half of Svira, and you could listen to music after Lag Boimer, and you could take a haircut after Lag Boimer, there was never Chasanas until the Shalashis of Me'agbala. Because the Taz says, the Minig was not to have chasanas because of the Tsaras of the Crusades. No one ever had chasanas. Then it became a time of a Shazad So many Baruch Hashem chasanas, so few chasanah halls, they started making allowances. And with that, the whole thing became forgotten, that there's even such a concept. And it's a terrible thing that such a thing is forgotten. The Maril brings down that even though we are Minig, as we don't say Tachanun, from Rosh Chaydesh Sivan until after Shavuos, 
in Magentia, they said Tachanun until Gilmul Sivan, because they were, there was Saris for them. In Mainz, that was the Minik, they said Tachanun. Shabur brings down, Rishchidish Sivan is a Yom Tainis for worms, the city of worms, even though it's Rishchidish, the Nilchus Rishchidish, Meshavur brings down, they fasted. It was a, great, a time of great sorrow for Kla Yisrael during the Crusades. And this was made as a part of Kla Yisrael in our Minhagim. And it's something that we're just not aware of. And we don't, we don't recognize it. And it's, it's un, unfortunately a lost, so to speak, piece of history, which in itself is a tragedy. Because if we can't understand our past and our history, what future do we have for ourselves? And it's something that needs a lot of chizuk, the whole tkufa. And it's not just, and what about Tzchav Sivan? Or Chav Sivan, also... A tainus, not only for Tachvitat. We've said many times, Rabbi Nutam made it a tainus already for the the the, um, the blood libel massacre in Blois. That uh, he was he was uh, Rabbi Nutam heartbroken. Was nifter two weeks later, and Dalit Tam was from it in 11, um, 1187 or whatever it was, 1187 I think. And and then Tachvitat again, and in the in the Tachvitat slichas of Chav Sivan. They incorporated slichas from the Crusades there because that was the same tkufa. It wasn't mamish that date, but it was the same tkufa. All these things keep on coming together in Kla Yisrael. So you Sivan, then you're holding Shain Tammuz. You have here Sivan and Tammuz. This is a whole tkufa of Kla Yisrael which nobody knows about. It's, it's, it's not, not, unfortunately, an unappreciated time. And Taka needs a lot of chizuk. It needs a lot of chizuk. You can't blame someone who, who, who doesn't understand why you have such restrictions during Svira. if we don't understand what the tkufa is. We don't understand the time times. We don't understand it. Besides all the other korbanas of a cappella and all this type of stuff, which are keneged halacha. This, 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 how, how do you expect anyone to do it? Svira is all of two weeks now. You have Til Rishchaydish, you have Chasanas, after Lagbaim, you have Chasanas. It's all of two weeks. It's like, just get rid of it, get, get over with. It's, 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 it's a terrible, terrible thing. It's a, it needs a lot of Chizuk. Shine, that's already enough for one day. But, this is the, this is the, this is the Kina that we're talking about here. In this t- Kina, we say, why don't we make a special day for these Shum? He says, should have made a tishba for this. And in fact, we said, the Chesam Seif and the says, the Balakina meant to say, we should have pushed back tishba to one of these days. Not, not that we should make an extra day, we should have moved the whole tishba over to one of these days, but, we can't add on, and we can't be maktim. That means, uh, made, make it in Sivan sometime, or in Iyar, for this. That is the, 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 the Tkufa, the Tkufa of the Crusades, and throughout the years we've gone through Varichus, all different of the, of, of, of the atrocities that happened in these three cities of Shum. This year I found a drasha from a Rav, Rav Teichtal. He was a Rav in, in, in Czechoslovakia, and then he was in Hungary. I think he, he was killed, uh, maybe on the way to Auschwitz. He was killed during the war. And um, he has a, he, he has a drasha, it's translated in his forum, Mishnah Socher, into from Yiddish. And uh, he describes the Tkufa with a little bit of Ashkafa here for ourselves. And he says that the Raivon, in his Kuntras Gzeris Tadnu, which we'll mention in a few moments, um, he brings down that according to one day, uh, the Jews in Germany had been there from the days of the Shoftim. 
And we always say they were there from the days of Korban Beis Hamikdash, Be'ebayis Rishain, and in Spain as well, there's such a Makar that they were there. They're called Golosvar, uh, Yerushalayim Asher B'Svarad. But he says a certain day that they were already there in the days of the Anshe Binyamin, because had to run away because of the Maisa Pelegish Begiva. They're ready, there's a day they were ready in Germany from those days. That's what he brings from the Raivon. But we know he brings it here from the Rekeach in Maisa Nisim. We, uh, we've always said it to say that Darius brings it from the Sma, at such a Kabbalah, that in, when Ezra called the Bnei Agayla to come back to build Bayesheni, the, the, the Jews in, in Germany and the Rhineland supposedly answered him and said that we don't want to come back and we're happy over here in Yerushalayim HaKotan. We don't know, it's okay. Ezra said, you're not going to be able to be a Laregel. No, we're in Yerushalayim HaKotan. So he writes, did the Jews actually answer this to Ezra? We don't know Bibrirus. But if there's such an Agadah, if there's such a story, it really tells us what was going on, what was the machshava of the Jews of the time that the story was written. We have a new Yerushalayim. We don't need the old Yerushalayim. We're sitting here in Germany. We have rights over here in Germany, very similar to what happened 700 years later in the Holocaust, but it was happening then as well. We're building, everything is good over here. He says, they even wanted to convince their German friends. We're also Germans. He even says, interesting thing, he says, it doesn't sound like this may have been true, but this is something that they used to try to convince the Germans. And they said, we're really, we're really Germans. How are we Germans? Because really, I were Yidin. The answer is that by Churban Beis Hamikdash, so some Jewish women were brought to Germany and they ended up marrying German men or whatever, maybe forcibly, and we're the, the descendants of them. So we're Taka Jewish, but Lamaisa, we also have German blood in us. He says that's what they were saying at the time. I don't know where he got that from, that's what he says. So he says, Mimela, it's not a Pella, that when the Crusades began in France, and this is Taka documented, we've said this many times, the French Jidin sent a letter to Germany, to Magentia, to Mainz, Davin for us. You can't imagine what's going on here. And if they were being Maramis to them, you might be next, you better be careful. And they said, yeah, don't worry, we'll make a tightness for you, we're Mishtatif in your tsara, but we're not worried. We're not worried over here, such a thing can never happen over here. We're in Germany, we have rights, we have, we have, we're, we're, this is who we are. And what happened? Not long after that, a few months later, not even a few months, yeah, a few months later, they started going north to, to, to Germany, and uh, the destruction began. The destruction of these cities of Shum. Hundreds of Yidin, maybe thousands, were Taka, were taka killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem, from these crusades, as comfortable as they were. Kehilais were destroyed. In a few days, our, our kinnis. A few of them were shmatted, not so many. Most of them killed themselves, our Kiddush Hashem, or were killed, our Kiddush Hashem, or even killed themselves. And he says these crusaders went throughout different Medinois and they killed throughout different countries. He says, but the cruelty in Germany was unmatched. What they did to the German Jews of the Rhineland was unmatched. In fact, he says, they even pulled dead women out of their kvarim to take their clothes off of them, just to be megana them, to be mezalzel in them. He says there was never such a thing. 
In other places, they didn't do what they did to the German Jews. They they they, they, they tied their bodies to the to the wagon wheels just that they should be able to grind up their bones, the dead bodies, grind up their bones. He says there was no such achzarius anywhere else but over here, but over here. And what happened? What happened to their friendly neighbors? As they said, they joined along with them. Nobody was safe from these crusaders. The only way to, to, to save oneself, as we've talked many times, and really the next kina in Chavtes, the one we'll, we'll have Akdama to that as well, but that talks about more of those who shechted themselves and killed themselves on Kiddush Hashem. That he describes is what the Ashkofa of the time was. And this is why such a terrible thing happened to them. Zehaya Oz, he's writing this in the year, doesn't say what year, but you can imagine, he says, that happened then, so to speak, dat, 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 and this is his description of, again, people who got stuck in Gaulus, thinking that they belonged there, and in a moment the whole thing was overturned on top of them. We said in the Shir on the Shloh, the Shloh told his children, at the end of the Sukkah, I'm going to tell you something, that my heart was burning constantly. When I see B'nai Yisrael, I see Jews building homes like palaces. They're making a permanent dira in this world, in the Eretz HaTmeya. Ah, he says, the Gemara Megillah says, Asidim Bati Tzadikim. Now our Gemara says about the Knesses and about the Midrashas. He says, "Asitim bate tzadikim sheyavoy laritz Yisrael mikomakim kavanosim he liyos lahem nachla lahanchlev neim." Nobody's building their fortresses because they plan on having it in Rechavia. They have. They want to stay here forever. Kiloyis azua nachla leilazara yvezara zara adolam. We're going to be here forever, so our children need a palace, and then their children, descendants, forever. This is Hesachadas Meagula. So he tells his children, and this is an interesting thing. He says, even if Hashem gives you Ashirus Gedoyla, you could build big houses. I'm not telling you you have to live in a shack. He says, but not more than that. He doesn't have to be too extravagant. Don't build palaces and towers with gaiva and gedula. You need a place, lefi who you are, lefi your status, lefi your money, no problem, you could do that. But not to overdo it. Don't be miyayish minagula. As, 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 as the famous Kliyakar, as we know, the Kliyakar said in last Parsha, the way we fight Asa of Germany, Edom is Asa of, is we hide ourselves. Don't make a spectacle of yourselves. And the Kliyakar says, he was talking in his time in Prague, he says, and Klai Yisrael only does the exact opposite. Guy gets $100, all of a sudden he's building himself a big palace like he's his Gansa Oisher, just to shtechais the, the eyes of the, of the Goyim. He says, this is not going to work, it only brings Khurban. That's what he says. He says, it's not the Mahalach, it's only going to bring worse, it's not going to make anything better. And that's the, that's the, 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 the lesson here, of the of the of the Gzeris Tatnu of these cities of Shum. These cities were 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 places, central places of Torah for Klai Yisrael. Worms, Magensia, 
we learned Maril during during the winter by Shalashudis. That's all we were talking about. If there's worms and Agentia, those were his places. These were Minhagi Ashkenaz. All Minhagim come from there. These were central places from Torah. Shpayer. Last year we talked about Shpayer. Barichos, all the different things that happened there. But these, on some level, clearly they didn't understand that they were still in Golis. And they didn't understand they were in Golis. The Rabbi Nisham sent them, unfortunately, this terrible wake-up call. And that's what we're, we're being, this kinu here, kinu chafei.
minute, we go now to Kina Chavtes. Kina Chavtes is another Kina and Gzeris Tatnu. The Kina here, Kina's here that they have. V'chimar Gzeris Tatnu. It's a cry, a bitter cry. The Harigos in the Shchitas and Mesiris Hanefesh. It talks about those who had to kill themselves. Al Kiddush Hashem. In fact, the Marami Rutenberg, when he was asked if such a thing is allowed, we've gone through this in other years. Halachically, it's mutter or not. It's a riot from the boy, the kids on the boat who gave up their lives. And uh, he brings a riot from this kina, from the kina of Reb Kleinimus, that, uh, that, it's, um, that it's okay to do. We've gone through this over the years, but clearly it was done over and over again, those who were killed and those who killed themselves, not to fall into the hands of the, of the crusaders, not to fall in the hands of the crusaders. And um, very painful, painful kina. And again, in the middle he says, Miyishma Yidma, who could hear it and not cry? Kasha ben Nishchat vav Shema. The child is being shechted by his father. The father is reading Shema. So on and so forth. All different accounts over the years that we've said of all the different stories of the Gzeris that they, that, they, that they went through in these cities and continue besides the cities of Shum, Cologne, other cities as well that they went through. We're not sure exactly which cities this, uh, this kina is describing, but it's describing many, many cities that this happened to. And I, you know, just to remember again that the Avarachamim we say every single Shabbos is, was Nisakin for these kilos of Tatnu. We say, Kilo Shakaydeh Shemosru Nafsham HaKadushas Hashem this is what we're talking about. These kehilos of these kinas that we're talking about. This was put into our tefillah every Shabbos, right? It's not something. Re- it's not. We're not. It's not doing churban beis hamigdash. It's talking about this gzeris tatnu to understand what it what, what it was for Klai Yisrael, and that's why you say it in Svira every Shabbos, even if there's a, even if it's mivarchem achaydish, and even if there's a bris, you say it because that was the time that it was the strongest. And in the in the in the, the Shlaish if there's a Shabbos there, you say it as well, because that was Mamish Taikov Akzeris and worms in Mainz, as we mentioned before. This Tvil of Avarachimim, there were places in Europe that only said Avarachimim during Svira. That's its its man. This is something that the 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 the, the Gdailim felt should be a part of our lives every single week to mention it. So it's something which it's a part of our history that's very important to remember. Now, the truth is that the beginning with the Crusades, maybe a little earlier, was almost the beginning of the end of Europe. You say, what do you mean? It took till 1940 for this to happen. But really, this kicked off a series of events. And this was the first time, like on a mass level, the, crusade, the first Crusades, that, um, that they went and killed Klai Yisrael in such a mass level. And I just want to just quickly... There's a sefer called Gzeris Ashkenaz Vitzarfas, and a lot of the kinais and tefillahs and 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 uh, stories from this kufa um, are there. A lot of what I get is from there. And just to go through, just quickly to go through the table of contents of what's in this sefer. Now we're talking about all of maybe 200 to 300 years, as we'll see, but see what was going on. So the first thing is, something happened in France in 992, Maisenoira, 992, 1007. Sipur Gzeris, that's 1096, that's Tatnu. Kinus Piyutim, Gzeris Tatnu. Sipur Gzeris, Ravon Tatnu, that's what we mentioned before from the Ravon. 
Then you have the Second Crusades of the year of 1146. Then you have, after the Second Crusade, just because the Second Crusades was done, doesn't mean the killing was done. So there's 1171 to 1190. There's Amunei Shloime Yisrael there, a very famous uh, slicha that's, 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 that was composed for that time, that I think is also on Chav Sivan. Then there's the Gezerah of Loish, which is the 1171. I made a mistake before, whatever year I said. 1171 was that, this was the first blood libel on mainland uh, Europe. There was already one, I think, before in England before this. This was the first blood libel on mainland Europe. And uh, I don't remember how many people were killed, 30, 40. It wasn't a lot. Talmidim of Rabbeinu Tam. And like I said, Rabbeinu Tam was nifter a few weeks later, heartbroken from it. Um, don't forget, Rabbeinu Tam himself was almost killed a year or two before on Shavuos. We said that story once, Mamush with a nace. He was being beaten to death by one of the crusaders and he was saved at the last moment. Then there's, there was the Gzeira of York, the massacre of York in 1191. Then there's the, the uh, destruction of Spire again in 1196. Last year we went through a Holtzkuf of Spire every time that something happened there. So there's a few slichais and kinais on the spire 1196. Harigas Raburi Halevi. Raburi Halevi was the Rav Yoh's brother. He was Nisraf al Kiddush Hashem in 1216. Then we have the Divrei Zichrainas of the Rekeach. Last year we went through the Rekeach, wrote a long whole kina about his wife and his daughters who were killed. I gave a shir on the Rekeach. Um, and in fact, if you remember the Meridikasiyata de Shmaya and Schus that I had this past year, on Chaf Beis Kislev, Friday Chaf Beis Kislev, um, of Parshas Vayeshev, Vayeshev Yaakov, that I, op- for a few minutes, I opened up the Taldus HaRekeach, and to say the Shir about him, and I saw that it was, he was recounting on Yoim Vav, Chaf Beis Kislev, Friday Chaf Beis Kislev, in the year 1196, someone, these, these Goyim broke into his house, and they beat him up, and they killed his wife and his two daughters in front of him. It was Mamish, their, uh, their yard site that day, and I said Kaddish for them by Mincha that day. Um, whatever number of year it was, 800 and something. Um, 826 the yard site that, uh, of, of them. They were killed in front of him. Um, later on he lost other children. We, we, we went through that last year, just going through the Rashi Prakim here. Then there's the Gzairus Erfart in 1221. Reb Shem Tev Halevi if you look at that kina, that, um, that um, he had to kill himself in front of the Aran Kaidish to save himself from, 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 from the, whoever was trying to, to kill him. In 1221, then you have the Gezeris of Loida and, and Bishop Shaim in 1235. That they, 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 they uh, tortured them for three days, it says there in that kina. And then, then on the third day they finally burnt them. Then you have the Gzeira of Frankfurt of 1241. Roiv of Kilas Frankfurt was killed. Then you have the, the Avakina and Salman Harigas of Avram Hager, 1265. Another Gzeira in a place called, called Pafurzheim, 1267. Then Weichenberg in 1270. Then the Gzeiras of 1283. Munich, 1285. Troy, 1288. And finally, the final, so to speak, of this Kufa was the Rheinfleisch massacres of 1298. So we're talking about from the first Meissen Neura, so to speak, was in about the year 1000 to here till 1298. We're talking about 300 years 
Gezeira after Gezeira after Gezeira, city after city. That's just in this 300 years, and just in this, I'm sure there's, these are just probably the bigger places that they're recounting over here. So when we talk about Gezeira's Tatnu of 1096, and you talk about the Crusades, we're talking about a very big picture over here, highlighting one point of it. There were three Crusades, first of all, and besides for that, all these other Gezeiras that were going on over and over and over again. It was a terrible, terrible Tkufa for Klai Yisrael. Now this continued. Why was this the beginning of the end? During the mid 1300s was the was the Black Plague and the, the Black Death and the Black Plague. So in the cities of Freiburg, Augensburg, Nuremberg, Munich, Königsberg, Regensburg, all these places, Jews were mamish. They killed them out. They killed them out one after the next, like uh, mamish, like the like the Nazis, so to speak. Just destroyed them during this time. They blamed them for. This is the time when blood libels became very big, um, very big in, in, in the world. Um, in the 1500s, as we move on, things got worse in Germany because Protestants came onto the scene. This fellow, Martin Luther, who founded Protestants, challenging the Catholic Church. So first, he, he was a chacham. First, he said, let me try to get the Jews with me. And then, you know, we could promise to be powerful. When he saw that didn't work, so he went pum fakert. And he de- demonized the Jews and incited everyone against them in ways hadn't seen before. In the long history of Christian anti-Semitism, he was Mechadish new things. And he gave, and this is, uh, this, is, this is documented, that he set out and he gave honest advice how Jews should be treated. First, set their synagogues on fire, and whatever doesn't burn, cover or spread dirt on it, so you, no one could ever see a stone. Um, Jewish homes should be broken or destroyed, Jews should be put under one roof or in a stable, and then they should be put to work, living by the sweat of their noses. And if they're too dangerous, then these poisonous, bitter worms should be stripped of their belongings and driven out of the country for all time. This is like the handbook that was given to the Nazis. This was already in the 1500s that he uh, that he that he that he he spoke. He said this. Now, what happened after this was, in the 1800s, is when the absolute power of the Christian church was broken. There's a movement called the Enlightenment. And as we know, it broke open the doors of the ghettos, and Jews were given freedoms they never thought possible. They were emancipated, France, England, and by the 1800s in Germany as well. And although, you know, it sounded good, but as we know that this was a big problem, it caused a lot of assimilation, and it really didn't make anything better. Because the truth is that um, a new, a different philosophy against Yidin came to be. Meaning to say, till now, the reason the Jews were hated is because of their religion. Because of the religion. It was a religious thing, the Christians against the Jews. But now, not everybody's so from anymore in, in the Christians. So therefore, we have to find something new. Not just to be an anti-Judaism, anti of the religion, now they coined the term anti-Semitism. Semitism means that, that, that this is who we are as a people, our race, our genetics. It's not about who we are in our frumkite, it's how, who we are as a people. As a famous, there was a famous German poet who converted to Christianity, he wrote, they don't hate me for my Jewish God, but for my Jewish nose. 
In other words, it's not about my religion. <laughs> I am converting. They, they hate me for who I am as a person. And this is where anti-Semitism came in the world. What we call anti-Semitism was Mishadish then in the 1800s, 1880s even, is when the word actually was coined by a journalist, a German jur- journalist, when he started blaming the Jews for dominating the economy and so on and so forth. This was the beginning of the end. If you're holding the end of the 1800s, now we know what happens. That's how Nazism happens. So if you really want to know how the Churban Europa happened, I'm not even talking about in the Hashkafah of Klai Yisrael. We're talking about over here just in the Ishtalshus. When you look at history, you see a beginning already from the year 1000. It took 900 years to this whole thing fostered, but this is what happened. And this is, uh, this is, this is, this is uh, the, eventually the... So when we... When we, uh, when we go through the Gzairus Tatnu and remember it again, it's not just a historical thing. This is really was the beginning and such sorrows that we don't know about. We don't even realize it. We only know the famous ones, the little ones that we know, but when you start going into it and you see one after the next, such sorrows, such redifus, such killing that went on and such cruelty that went on, this Gzairus Tatnu, as we're going to now say in Chavtes, which talks about that cruelty, as we see, it wasn't only miyuchud for that time. It continued and continued and continued and eventually ended up at the cruelty of the Nazis just on the way their level, a more modern level. It had Tachvetat in the middle. Don't forget, Tachvetat, we said many times, is not just 1648 and 1649. That was just that period. But till it got itself to Vilna was to, to 1656, 55, 56, till they got to Vilna and to Lita and destroyed those places. It was going on for years. It wasn't just a small uh, two-year thing. That was the main part. But there was, this was going on. There was, there was very few 50-year periods in Europe from 1000 till 1945 that there was any calmness for Klai Yisrael. Little pockets here or there that didn't last very long. And when we go through this kina and we see these terrible gzairis and decisions of people who mamashechted themselves, al-Kiddush Hashem, made a bracha ala shechita before they never shechted their children so they shouldn't have to fall prey to, 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 to the crusades who was either give up your life or, or give up your religion. And that's not something anyone was ready to do. Ruba de Ruba of them. Ruba the Ruba of them did not give up their religion. They gave up their life of Kiddush Hashem. We have to realize that we're just part of this Kufa. This is not any. This is not something a thousand years ago. This has been a continuous, continuous. Uh, a program, so to speak, by the Rabbi Nisham and Agalus from the beginning, Darchi Hashem Niskava, but this is Yisharim Darchi Hashem. Amart Yishum Ani B'Vchi Hamorim.
The next kina we're going to do is Lamed Aleph. Lamed Aleph, we're going to sing together, Eshtukad Bekirbi, like we do. Seisimim Mitzrayim, Betseisimim Yerushalayim, the contrast of how we left Mitzrayim on a high, Begula, and how we left Yerushalayim on the low, Churban, Galus. That's the reflected in the nigan that we use. The Vesei Mitzrayim part is a little bit of a higher, joyous type of song. 
The Betzaisim Yerushalayim is more in a kina, lamenting type of nigan. And they always say to make sure when you get to the end that Betzaisim, the last stanza, Betzaisim Yerushalayim ends off on a high and Beshuvi Yerushalayim also should be another high. It shouldn't go a regular low because Adarabha, we're not Betzaisim Yerushalayim anymore so you have to adjust your singing that it should go on a high is not on a low. In this keynote we always talk about Golos Varad, the Spanish expulsion, because we talk about how to leave Golos, B'tseisim Yerushalayim to Golos, but we talk about how to leave Golos, as we'll see in a few moments. But I want to talk about the Tkufa of Spain, because Spain also had a Holocaust that we're very not aware of. I myself wasn't aware of it. I came across it in some of the Shirman, the Rishonim, the Ran, and others. And there was a lot of Tsarists in Spain. It's very hard to... I can't figure out exactly to be Magdir, when the, that golden age of Spain exactly was, um, as we'll see. But um, in the Sefer HaKabola, when he's talking about Messiris HaTayra and the Gedolim, and he's talking about the Yeshiva of the Rimagash, um, and this was um, this was in in south of Spain, southwest Spain, um, Lucena, I think it's called Lucena, something like that. He was the Rimagash was nifter shamim ha'ilam min yeshiva shel chachma. See the Sefer Kabbalah says the world was desolate from yeshivas. So he says, why? Because this was south of South Spain. Now, what happened was here is that the, the Muslims, um, the Almohads they're called, took over South Spain and Northern Africa for, for Islam. So the south of half of Spain was Muslim and the top half of Spain, the north half was Christian. Um, at that time, the Muslims were the not good ones for the Yidin. The Christians were still okay. So this was, Torah at this time in the early Rishonim was, um, again we're talking about Talmidim of the Rif, so we're, this is the early Rishonim, um, this was in, in the early 1100s, so it says after the Rimagash was Nifter, it was the time of Gzairus and Shemadus HaYisrael, V'yotzu Begolos, they had to leave, Mimikaymaisa Masher Lomus Lomus, those who were uh, killed were killed, Vasher Lacherav Lacherav, Vasher Lerav Lerav, Hunger, Vasher Lashvi Lashvi. It was more than even Nevuas Yirmiyah. That's 11.13. That these Muslims decided to say, they themselves wanted to obliterate all of Klai Yisrael from there. Al-Mohad, that's, their, that's their, their region, so to speak. And he says, that is why the children of the Rimagash could not make a yeshiva. Rather, Golu Bereish Goilim, they went to the head of the exiles, so they went north to Toledo, which at that time was uh, still Christian. Was Christian. They're trying to re establish Talmidim. That's the end of this Tkufa, the Sefer Kabbalah is saying the end of this Tkufa in Spain. So here we have in the, le- in the early 1100s, you already have big Tsaras here in Spain. The Ben Ezra, the Ben Ezra, 
in the 1140s, wrote a kina, Aha Yared al-Svarad, is the name of the kina, Romina Shamayim. Evil has come on, on Spain. Aini, Aini Yardamayim. And he talks about, this is the, uh, the city of the Rimagash. He calls it in Hebrew, Al-Ir Elisana, Luchena as it's called. The yeshiva of the Rif in the Rimagash. Bechais Aini, I cry about it. Bein Chelef Adelev Shonim Veshivim Shona till this is about the 1140s. And he continues, in the cities of Agolas Ashbila, Seville, Ir Kortova, Kordoba, Sham Chachomim Vatsumim Mesiv Erovitziya, they died from hunger. Another city, Yan or something, J A E N, how do I pronounce it? Um, Almaria, Mallorca, Malka, all these places. This is the Ibn Ezra from Chumash, Ari Ibn Ezra. This is his Kina. Another Kehillah in Morocco he, he, he talks about, because again, that was northern Africa. Fez, which is in Morocco. Um, Talmasan, Algeria, northern Africa. He writes city after city. And in fact, in his Hakdama to his Pirish on Eicha, he writes, Vani Avram ben Meir, Me'eretz Marchakim. I'm coming from a distant land. I was taken out of Spain from the anger of those who oppress us. So this is, so we had in the 1113 11, Barach, <coughs> and now in the 1140s, he had to leave Spain. He left Spain in Gansan, I think, Ibn Ezra. He wandered around a lot afterwards. But he had to leave the whole south, south of Spain, Pashit, uh, they were expelled from. And then we go, not much long after that, a couple hundred years, and that is the massacres of 1391. Terrible, terrible Tkufa. So again, 1492 was the expulsion. 1391 was the beginning of the end. So perhaps uh, from the, maybe the 1200s is called the Golden Age. Again, I'm not 100% sure. So you see here in the 1140s, there was, there was trouble. That was, the truth is, that was south from the Muslims. I guess in the north, where the Christians were, it was still okay for a while till the 1300s. But what happened now? Now this is very interesting. We have here an eyewitness account to this from one of the Talmidei Haran. Doin Chasdoi Krashkash. Um... It's not the same Rabbeinu Krashkash as the one of the as the one of the Rishayim, but he is one of the Rishayim, and um, he uh, he he's a Talmud of the Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim, and he has uh, he actually as we'll see one of his sons was killed in this massacre, and uh, he actually wrote a letter afterwards to um, the cities of um, in France and the Gzeiras that were in Svarad, Bishnas, Kofnun Aleph Aleph thirteen ninety one, Estrim Marcheshvan, the twentieth of the month of Marcheshvan. So basically, it started in the city of Seville. And the city of Seville was the first place. And um, they were killed over there. He brings Rabbi Yitzchak ben Shushin, was one of them. And Now this is not the Rosh's son, Rabbi Yehuda ben Asher, but it was from the same family with the same names. Him and his wife. And his mother-in-law, Aishas Reb Yaakov Balaturim. I don't know exactly how that works, but the wife of Reb Yaakov Balaturim, um, he says, was killed, Al Kiddush Hashem, here in Seville. Yoisim Mimasai Melef Nefoshois. And this continued. It started off in Seville. And this was on Rishchidish Tammuz. Rishchidish Tammuz, this massacre began in Seville. And from there it continued. It continued to. Um, to other cities, it went to. Let's see where I'm going over here. It went to Cordova. 
it went to um, Valencia, went to a whole bunch of other places, and then it finally made it to Toledo. Um, in Toledo, um, in Toledo, it's, it sounds like from uh, from this letter here that in Seville, Rabbi Yehuda ben Usher was killed. But in other places, it sounds like he was just telling what happened, and eventually he was killed in Toledo. Because uh, here, later on, I'm sorry, later on in the letter, he writes, Rish Tamuz, he came, they came to Seville, and um, they they burnt down six or seven thousand houses and killed a lot of people, and um, some of them were sold into slavery to the to, to Lishmaelim. And a lot of them killed, were killed al Kiddush Hashem. Um, and a lot of them also decided to convert to Christianity. From there, they went to Cordova. Many converted. And then on Yud Zayin Tamas, So then, it was the city of Toledo. And that's where this, the uh, Rabbi Yehuda ben Asher Mizera Harash was killed, together with the Rabbanim. Gam Shom Hemiru Rabims, terrible Tkufa, very different than the Crusades where people, the German, the Yin did not, give, did not uh, convert. But here a lot of them convert, they couldn't do it. And then he says, it was, these are the big cities, but then there's all the small cities, 70 cities. And finally he says that on the 7th of Av, they came to the city of Valencia, there were a thousand Balabatim, died al Kiddush Hashem, some of them ran away. And one of them who ran away there was the Rivash. The Rivash was ran away, and he was taka saved. Rubam Hemiru. Again, most of them converted. Then it went from there to Mallorca. Rishchidish Elul. This is all in his letter. Three hundred died al Kiddush Hashem. Eight hundred were saved in the king's uh, tower. Vanisharim Hemiru, and the rest of them converted. Yom Shabbos Achra of Barcelona. Two hundred and fifty people killed. Rabbi Kitchu Hashem Besoichem Vini Yechidi, his own son, his only son, was killed at Kiddush Hashem, Atzdik Olay Hadin Vesnachem. Rabbim Shachtu Atzman, same thing, people killed themselves. Some threw themselves out of towers. They didn't even reach halfway down until they were already, they were ready. Evarim Evarim, he says. Bechol Shar Hemiru, and the rest gave up, they converted. Bechain Beir Lirida. And then in Be'er Jerona, Jerona is the, is the city of Enyayna, Terev Anochem Vakamechor, Kitshu Hashem Berabim Harabonim, Hashalayim Yerubah, Kimuatim, only a few did not convert, and were Mekadosh Hashem Shabayim. Soif Dover, Bemalchus Valencia, which is that whole uh, region, Lainishar Yehudi Zulasi Bemakamechor, Hanikra Morvirdroi. There's one place, one place that there's still Jews left, and this is very interesting because. There's a safer. There's a safer from that kufa. My head here somewhere. Where he writes that he thinks the reason. Okay, I can't find it right now. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry, here it is. Okay. So, Sefer, Maisa Eifoid. Yitzchak Vemoshe Duran, Alevi. And he writes over there, he says, that this city, which is, I think, a similar city or the same city, he says, 
um, they were saved because says is because that they got up early and they said to Hillim. He's very the sefer. His his sefer is very much about learning mikra. In those days, people weren't learning Tanakh, and he, they weren't into it at all. And he says he feels that that's the reason they were saved is because of their because of their limud, because of their amiris hatehilim. But he continues here. The Rav Doin Chasdoi Krashkash. He says so. Valencia, there is no Jews except in one place. So Mechuz Catalonia is another region in Spain. Leinisha Yehudi Zulasi Bari Asgarim Apacha. It's only small little villages, and. And so on and so forth. Oh, so this is the Argon that he was talking about. I'm sorry. This Maizeva Zaymar here. Argon was a different region. And in that region, he says they were saved because they were constantly learning. The Iker they were getting up early and, 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 uh, to Davin Takadish Baruchu, the Iker from Sefer Tilim. Sefer Tilim saved this region, Argon, from, from, um, from this massacre. And we have Kinois. That we don't have in our kinais, but in the kinais of the of the Svardim, they have a lot of kinais, not just on Golis Svarad, um, they have on this Tkufa as well. There's a kina that was written by Rabbi Chil ben Asher, Leves Harash. So he's related to this Rabbi Yudha ben Asher. I don't know if he's his brother or not, but again, this is not the Rosh's son, Rabbi Chil, but it's Leves Harash, where he has in here, and he talks about all of the month of Tammuz, because Tammuz was Seville, Tammuz, Yudzai in Tammuz was Toledo, and he goes through the terrible things that happened in Tammuz in the times of the Eagle and so on and so forth, and the terrible things that happened in the time and that time. We have another kina from Rabbi Yehuda ben David Yichia. It's a famous kina. And this is interesting because it was printed, the Svardish Akinas were printed after the expulsion in 1519 in Venice. And they were still afraid of the Inquisition there. Um, and they were very careful what they put, they printed. So we have the original kina, and in the original kina, he actually lists off all the different cities, Sevilla, Catalina, um, uh, um, Aragon, uh, all the cities. He Mamish has them here as part of the kina, but in the original version, they were either taken out or they were changed. When he talks about, uh, I remember Sevilla, which is Seville, they changed it Ezker le Mikdash, the base Mikdash. The one who talks about uh, Catalonia, they took out the whole the whole stanza. Um, the other cities, all these stanzas were taken out. Even when they talk about Mashiach. They took it out. We're not talking about B.S. HaMashiach. So on and so forth. Even when they talked about Sreifas HaTalmud, it seems clearly that they burned the Talmud. They burned in this massacre of 1391. They burned whatever they had, Mishnayis. And he talks about that they were taken out because they couldn't mention that either. So we have the original Kina. But um, but a lot, they were still in those years, 1519, they were still afraid of the uh, Inquisition. So we look and we know, we think about Golis Svarad, we, we focus on the 1492 expulsion. We see over here already from the 1100s, the south of Svarad was having issues. The times of the Rishonim. And later on, such a massacre, this, this Rabdain Chasdoi describing, the Imamish call it the Holocaust of Spain. That's what they refer to it as. As, as they went and the Imamish destroyed in these, all these big regions, city after city after city. But you see over here what a terrible thing, the Rubam Hemiru. And that probably what 
you know, led a hundred years later to the expulsion because it was a whole different, there was already the Muranos and so on and so forth were all a result of this, was all a, this was the beginning of the end, so to speak. And now we always say, the reason we talk about Spain here is the contrast that when we left to go to Galus, Yerushalayim was Bikina. And when they left on Tisha B'av, 1492, they left Sfarad. So as we've said from the Sefer HaTeda, and this year someone who heard my share on the Barbanel from Lakewood told me that, um, that, uh, that, that this, is the follow- this is the source for the following. We always say from the Sefer HaTeda that they allowed them to have uh, musical instruments as they left on Tisha B'av, singing with musical instruments, because that's the way you leave Gullus. You don't leave Gullus sad, even if you're going to the next Gullus. You, you, you leave on a high. We're moving on to the next Gullus. We leave it as is. They were matter to play instruments. And I said in the shir that I didn't find anywhere in the Abarbanel that he said that. The Abarbanel went out Berosham. He was the one who marched out Berosham. They were going, uh, you know, out of, out of Svarad. And uh, so this, this, this uh, young man in Lakewood, Hush young man, he's, uh, he knows how to read Spanish. His father's from Argentina. So he told me that the source of that is actually from a Spanish priest. Um, Andres Bernalde, afterwards I googled him and he seems to be like a stickle famous historian and uh, he was actually the Archbishop of something or another in, uh, in Spain. Um, and uh, he wrote it, so this, but this young man told me he actually read it in Spanish, the original Spanish, where he's the one who described, and he said that the rabbis made the people sing and play instruments because they were going through such a hard time to keep their spirits up. This is, this is the way the Sefer does seems to say it is, that they were telling them, this is how we leave Gullus, we don't leave on such a, such a sad way, so to speak. But uh, another interesting thing I saw there in the translation from this priest, he says that um, the Jews were trying to sell their property for nothing, and obviously no one were going to buy it, was going to buy it. A house was exchanged for a mule, a vineyard got a little cloth or linen, but he says their interesting thing. He says the rich Jews paid for the expenses of the poor Jews, practicing with each other the greatest charity. Because if they couldn't leave, they would have to convert. And these Yidin took Achrayis. If you want to leave, we'll help you leave. It just reminded me of the Meshachachma in, in, in Parsha's boy, who says that that's, that's, that's why there was four days for the Lekichas Haseh in Mitzrayim for the carbon Pesach because Hashem wanted every person to have a sheep and there were poor people who couldn't afford it and he says there were rich people in Mitzrayim there were six months they were able to make some money so the rich people had to make sure that the poor people everyone had a cell of us. and he says over there that when a person is on his way out of a country this is the words of the Meshachachma and he doesn't know where he's going every penny is precious to him he doesn't know when he's going to need it and to give tzedakah under those circumstances says the Meshachachma is the greatest chusachartil and that's mamish what happened over here. Here, if they would stay behind the poor people, they would convert. So the rich people, who how rich were they? They weren't getting much for their riches. For a house, they were getting a mule. Still, they made sure that they, that, that that everyone who wants to leave would be able to leave. Such a schus to those who take a left on their way out. Such a schus, and that is the uh, that is the the, the gullus uh, picture here of gullus farad, 
we have this small picture of what it was, but really, in the times of the Rishonim, there was a lot of Tzaras over there in Svarad by the Svaradish Rishonim. And again, that's all part of our Golis as well. Many of the Gaile Svarad, as you hear from my Shurim, our Paiskim, the Arach HaShulchan, is from the Gaile Svarad, his family way back, Benavisti family. They call themselves Epstein because that was the first city that accepted them in Germany when they when they uh, when they when they were when they were wandering after being expelled. So they named themselves after them. The Shlach, the Harowitz family, they came, they were from the Gali Svara, they were Eniklach of the, the Balamar. You know, it's not that uh, you don't have to be a Svardi to have the Svardish Ichu, so to speak. A lot of the Gali Svar, where they go. Some went to Svardish places, other went to Ashkenazish places, and, they, and, and it's, it's all mixed together, so to speak. So it's not, you know, we say, why, why we have to, why, so to speak, about the Svardim, our, our brothers, but we have, you know, the Territzes, we're all Taka one, and this is all part of our Gali another step in our Gali and as we're looking over here, and we're looking and from 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 Europe, we're looking forward to that day. We'll end off on a high Bishuvilibrishalayim.
The next key that we're going to say is Mamalif, the last one that we're saying. Shalis Rufa Vaish, the Kina of Marama Rutenberg, and the Gzeira of Srefa Satira in the year 1242. Marama Rutenberg was a Talmud of the Balataitis, Rabbi Yechiel, Mi Paris, brought down in Taitis many times in Paris. He was originally from Germany and he went to the the Baleatesis, we're in France at the time, northern France, and um, he was a Talmud of the Rebbechilmi Paris, and as we know the story, in the year 1240, King Louis IX made a public debate. The Pope Gregory IX, the big Russia, was involved, together with uh, Mishumid, Nicholas Dunin was his name, and they decided to make a debate if the Gemara is anti-Yashka, anti-Christianity, like this Mishumar claimed, and four Rabbanim were chosen for this debate, Rabbi Chilmi Paris, Rabbi Mikutsi, the Smag, Rabbi Nishmul ben Shloimi, mi Palaiza, and Rabbi Yehuda ben Davi, mi Malon, also from the Rishonim. And uh, eventually, only two of them actually debated, Rabbi Chilmi Paris and Rabbi Yehuda, actually were the only ones who debated because after they were done there wasn't much left they really won hands down and to uh, discourage further embarrassment they decided not to ask the other Rabbanim to debate as well but of course the debate had no shaykhs just because they won doesn't mean that the decree or anything was going to change in the year 1242 as we know they made a gzera they went around and um, they collected svarim akdoshim Gemaras, there was no printing press, everything at that time was handwritten. Many of the Gemaras had on the sides of the pages, in the, in the, in the margins, for the Chidushim of the Valley Atoisvis, and, um, and uh, they took them, and the wagon loads of them, 24 wagon loads, Lomashim Mishabur is 20, but the others say 24 wagon loads of Svarim were burnt in the square in Paris in 1242. And as we know the famous story, they made a Shailas Chaloim, and they came back, Dog it was Yoim Vav of Parshas Chukas, and there was Nesakin Tainis on that day, that wasn't telling the date, it was telling the day of the week, based on this Chaloim. And the Marami Rutenberg was an eyewitness to this burning. Shalis Rufovaish, and he wrote this Kina, the Marami Rutenberg left Germany, left France back to Germany, went back to Rutenberg, and he was Maimed the next door of, of, of Rishonim and uh, the Rosh, Bechulay, and um, the Baleatisis in France, Taka all left. That was the end of the Tkufa of Baleatisis in France. It moved then to Germany, Rebbechim of Paris left. They all left. And uh, he wrote this Kina, Shali Srufa Vaish Lishleim Avelaich, the terror that's being burnt, should ask what's going on with Klai Yisrael. And towards the end of the middle, end, mid, middle of the kina, he says, "Esma l'nafshi, I wonder, echierav lechike achol, how am I able to eat anymore? How could I taste anything? After I saw them taking your sifrei akaydish, 
and plundering them. El to the midst of the the the, the uh, square like Chas v'Shalom and they burnt it. Asher Timas you were moyes them from coming lekalayich, and so on and so forth. He's lamenting the burning of the Torah, but as we know, Torah never gets burnt. Torah continues. Torah continues, and no matter what's happening. Torah continuously, unfortunately, is burnt, and Torah continues to flourish, and went from France to Germany, and from Germany it continued on, and so on and so forth. As much as every nation decides to take this same lesson from the, uh, from, from, from the French, to go and burn the Sifri Torah, but Kla Yisrael still continues. You can't burn Torah, you can't burn Kla Yisrael, Kla Yisrael is Nitzchis. And this is the Kina of the Marami Rutenberg. And we, we always try to highlight at least some, some type of chashivas that they had throughout the generations for Kisvei HaKadosh. So I saw two stories that happened during the war. The same person, Yid Reb Dovah Kuperwasser, Livracha. He was in the Laja Ghetto. And the first thing was that, I guess in the beginning, there were certain days that they were allowed out of the ghetto for a few hours. So he went back to the old neighborhood outside the ghetto. And he knew there was Sifrei Taira there. Who knows what the Nazis were going to do with the Sifrei Taira. So he decided to take them in the ghetto. They could use them. They could use Sifrei Taira in the ghetto. He also took with himself, how is he going to get them in? They're going to knock and let it in. So he took a handcart with shmatas in them. And officially he was bringing around these shmatas to buy and sell. Again, it sounds like there was still a little bit of freedom <coughs> in the ghetto at the time. And he went around to all the various shuls. And I'm sure that itself was a mysterious nefesh if someone caught him. And he smuggled the Sifretari, put them under all the shmatas, piled all the shmatas on top of them. And when he came to the entrance of the ghetto, the Nazi told him, what's going on here, what do you have here? And he told him, there are shmatas, shmatas he's bringing in for the people in the ghetto. And he had big mazel min hashamayim, a lot of siyata uh, deshmaya, the soldier didn't check the cart. And uh, in that schus, the Yidin in the Laja Ghetto Taka had Sifrei Torah because this is what he was concerned about. The people should, the Kitzvei HaKadosh of Klai Yisrael, to the best of our ability, should be able to be, uh, to, to, to be preserved. And he had another mice in the ghetto that he received a message from someone that there was a lady who was a neighbor of his from uh, way back who was looking for him. And uh, what did she want? Her son was Bar Mitzvah that day. It was his Bar Mitzvah. And she figured that this person probably has a pair of tefillin. I guess it was Yadua that he was involved in this type of thing. And she wanted her son to put on tefillin. So, he's going to help another Yid, of course. So, if he was caught, he knew he would be put to death. This is not something they allowed. But he went anyways. He went on the other side of the ghetto. I guess this must have been later on, perhaps. And it was a little bit more dangerous. And he walked into the room. And he saw the mother there. And the child was laying in bed. And the child was mamish deathly ill. This was the ghetto. And when they saw him walk in with the tefillin, he said, you mamish could feel the excitement in the air. And the mother asked, asked this uh, Reb David to put on tefillin on this son. He was too weak to put on the tefillin himself. He couldn't tie them on himself. He was too weak. She asked, you put it on for him. And um, so this young bar mitzvah boy, today was his bar mitzvah, he whispered the brachas with his letz to kaiches. And then he said, Shema Yisrael. Said Echad, and he was nifter with his tefillin. This is Klal Yisrael. 
This is Klai Yisrael being Moiser Nefesh for Kisvei Kaidish. This is Klai Yisrael being Moiser Nefesh for Mitzvahs. This is Klai Yisrael, a child in a ghetto, dying, probably of starvation or of illness. What does he want to do? He keeps himself, so to speak, alive till Yotza Nishmasi Be'echad. If this doesn't tell us the Nitzchias of Klai Yisrael, then what does? Shalis Rufo Be'esh, the Marami Rutenberg, is full of tsar, and we need to be full of tsar. And all of these calamities, it's Taka Meridikachil Hashem, what happens, and the Rabbi is B'Tsar over everything that happens, all the tsaras that happen. But at the same time, in the tsar we know the Yisharim Darchi Hashem, there's a Hashkocha here. How could you not see it? How could you not see the Nitzchias of Klai Yisrael? This gets back, brings it back, so to speak, full circle to the beginning of, yes, it's impossible to understand Darchi Hashkocha, how the Rebbein Shom allows it. But when you pick it apart and you see Me'idach Gisa, to learn what actually happened, we see who we are as a Klai Yisrael. We see the Nitzchias of Klai Yisrael. We see the Nitzchias of the Ruach of Klai Yisrael, of Netzach Yisrael, the Yishakar, and that should give us chizuk. Baruch Hashem, we live in a generation where a bar mitzvah bacher, or probably a little younger than a bar mitzvah bacher, sometimes has more svarim than a, a big rav in Europe had. This, that's just the way it is. Baruch Hashem, we live in such a generation with uh, unbelievable and it's something we should taka appreciate, appreciate the ability to have uh, every person, every bachar at a new, the beginning of Zman has a new Gemara, to understand what that means, it was that there was such a thing, that, and, and, and you don't even take a hand-me-down Gemara, you need a new Gemara, should be geshmak and fresh, and it's gewaldik, Baruch Hashem, we're able to do such a thing, it helps taka the learning, taka learn better when you have a brand new Gemara, but to appreciate, every one of us, a new, a new, a new Mesechta Dafayaymi, whatever we're learning, any new safer, a sitter, we have Baruch Hashem the ability to be able to to to, to have everything in Sifrei Hakodesh. So we have to appreciate Taka we're zeichet to such a thing. When we say this Kina Shali Srufa Veish, how much Torah was burnt over the last thousand years that we should be able to be here today and still be and be able to have Svarim and have Shas and have Talmud and have Baliyatayisvus and find new Baliyatayisvus and so on and so forth. This is the Nitzchias of Klal Yisrael. Shali Srufa Veish.
Just as a siyum, before we say the kina of the Bava Rebbe for the Holocaust, just to bring things together, I saw in the, that sefer that I quoted before the Mishnah Sacher, Yisrael. We say every day, Hakadosh Baruch was goymel chasadim toivim. Why do you have to say toivim? Just say chasadim. Isn't chesed something good? So he says, a marshal to a child who has to take a medicine, he's very sick, and it's a very bitter medicine, and his father's trying to give it to him, and the kid is screaming and crying, it's bitter, it's, it's, it's bitter, I don't want to take it. And the father says, my entire kin, my dear child, you have to take it, it's good. He says, but it's bitter, I don't want to take it. But he says, no, but it's good, it's good. And eventually he convinces the child, as he's sobbing, to finally take the medicine. If it would be something sweet, the father wouldn't have to convince him to take it. And the same thing is with us. If we'd be sitting in Eretz Yisrael B'Shalva V'Rav Shalom, we would all just have to say, HaGaymo Chasadim Lama Yisrael Avada, the Chasadim Artoivim, we know what they are. But unfortunately we're sitting in Galus, and we're crying to the Rabbi Nishalom, this is bitter, and we don't want it. We don't want it, Rabbi Nishalom. And the Anshei Knesset HaGdayl understood that, they saw Baruch Kodsham, the Gullus that we're going to be in, and they realized that they have to make sure that every day we recognize it's taka bitter, but it's good. And therefore they said, we have to make a bracha, it's not just chasadim, it's chasadim toivim. Ay, it's bitter, but it's chasadim toivim. And when that child finally took the medicine, the father was mamish full of simcha, because he took it, he took it and he needed it. And the same thing is that when we say Agaymil Chasadim Taivim and we we recognize that as bitter as it is, but it's Taka Taivim, <coughs> this is the medicine that we need for whatever Akadish Baruchus Khashbainis. Darhi Ashkachasin is govim as we said, but it brings a great simchal of Inushabashamayim. And in a different shmuz, he says on the Pasuk Tsaimaravi, Bitsaima Khamishi Yal Sasan Ulasimcha. 
He says, the day, the fast of Shavasar Betamuz and Tishabov, the Navi Zechariah says, will be a day of Sosin and Simcha. So, Lechaira, how come it doesn't say Yapoich Lesosin Lesimcha? The Taz asked this question. The Taz in, in Arachayim Reish, in uh, Tovkov Nun, I think it is, asked this question. It should say Yapoich. Hashem should turn it into Sosin and Simcha. Why is it Yiyah? So, Zok, the Mishnah Socher, he says, a person when he is, um, when a when a person is is um, bitzar, there's different types of tsars. There's a pain that a person has, that they're just uh, you know that they're in pain, but they're still able to eat something. Then there's a person who's in such pain he pasha has no appetite. He can't eat. He can't eat. He's in such pain that he pasha can't eat. The same thing is with with simcha. By Simcha also, a person can be happy about something, he's still able to eat. But sometimes a person is so full of joy, he's so besimcha, you know, Baruch Hashem, you ever made a chasana, but Hashem, you should make a chasana. You know, the Bali Simcha don't end up eating. Either starving, they don't end up, they're so busy with the Simcha. Push it, yeah, I'll find something to eat, I'll munch it. Even they sit down, they push it, can't eat, but the emotions are so strong, you push it, can't eat. So says the Mishnah Socher, that... Lost Lavoi, when Mashiach's going to come and Tishabov's going to be a Yantif, it's Vaita going to be a Tsaim. The Tsaim, we're going to be fasting. Till now, we're fasting because we're out of Tsar. We push it, can't eat. It's a, you can't eat. When you're full of Tsar, you can't eat. But that Tsaim is going to be Yiyah. It's going to be a Tsaim. We're not going to be able to eat. Why? Because the Simcha is going to be so great. The Simcha is going to be so great where Pasha don't have the appetite to eat. So that is Tsaim Ravi, Yil, Sasun, the Simcha. And I thought that together with the Shla that we started off, that the Shla said all those words had dual meanings to them, because one brings the other. So this same Tzoyim, you could fast out of Tzar, you could be fasting out of Simcha. You could have no appetite out of Tzar, you could have no appetite out of Simcha. The same word Tzoyim is the same word that's going to be used, that is used today for the Avelos, is the same word that's going to be used for the greatest Simcha of the coming of Mashiach. And Tishabov is going to be a Simcha. It's also going to be a Tzoyim. Why? Because the Tzoyim of Avelos is what's going to bring the time of the Simcha. Just like Aramim Hashem Kidilisani, just like Vayafah Hashem Asaklala, just like Kain Yosis Hashem, the Churban itself is actually bringing the Simcha, and that's why it's exactly the same word. We should talk that we should have a feeling for this time, realize what we have. Hopefully, in the last few hours, we got a little bit of our car of what we're missing and what we have to be mishtatev in. And that is just another step as Hashem in the way that will be zaycha to that time, that time. The Velt says you should have a fleshige, a fleshige tishabav. But the way he's saying it's right, they're going to be a time, it's going to be such a simcha where Pasha not going to be able to eat. Shataka bibim heravi amenu amen. Could I say the kina of the Bavarebe? I don't have it in there. Copy for me. I never want to put it in because I hope I'll never use it again. Okay. The king of the Baba Rebbe in the art school, it's on page 384. Shavam is <laughs> over, Tom, the
Ashreyashvevesechoy, 